Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're talking absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. As long as I say we can persuade Willie to stay in Ireland, we'll stay in England. GSI, get stuck in. And here's a new steeplechasing star. It's Gallop Andershaw, who gallops to glory in the Gold Cup. That's probably the most ridiculous question I've it ever It is, been asked. I know, but I had to ask um, you. No, you didn't have to ask me. You're calling out prices. Bookmakers' prices on this channel, right? Yep. You couldn't have two bananas to a banana with the bookmaker. Jumped in like a bag of hammers. The racing is under such scrutiny. Ah, if you don't like racing, go watch Peppa Pig. Welcome along to the first Final Furlong podcast of 2024. Happy New Year. Hopefully, you'll be with us for the year, and hopefully, we'll be providing good content that you can enjoy uh, for the rest of the new year. I am joined, Emmett Kennedy, by uh, former top jockey Dennis O'Regan and former jockey could say top jockey as well george gorman both here to give their expert insight on the festive racing dennis how was your first christmas out of the saddle oh uh, yeah hi george yeah listeners and and happy new year to you as well it's been really good uh i've enjoyed it it was nice to have uh, a bit of downtime with the boys uh, i've got two young boys and uh, you know it's, it was nice to be yeah going through christmas without any it was always the pressure it was never the the, the food or the the weight for me it was always the, uh the expectation that was coming uh once christmas day was over so um it was nice to have no pressure i went to leopardstown for a couple of days 
enjoyed watching the top class racing and uh yeah listen i, I uh, i'm definitely not missing missing riding anyway that's for sure um i'll obviously miss the competition but uh, i don't miss the the extreme extremely uh hard work that went into getting all of them rides and winners at christmas over the years so uh i'm uh yeah i was delighted to be honest now and it was great you know louise it was nice to be around just just to be around and in a normal uh state of mind and how's the back injury holding up uh you know obviously i'm still not able to do much at the moment um i do write a bit of work here and there um but i haven't i still have to keep keep that it's coming good now but i have to keep it rested you know plenty so uh just to, to give it a chance and uh yeah we'll see what january brings it's an incredibly frustrating time when you've got a back injury there's nothing you can do but we wish you well it's great to have you back on the show uh george we'll talk more about it in depth in a few minutes but that must have been some buzz to be involved with Maslam winning the welsh grand national particularly when you come on the final furlong podcast and you bullishly say he's got feet like dinner plates he'll gallop this lot into the ground and then that's exactly what he does yeah like it's I don't think even I could have um, could have anticipated quite how good he was. Like I've, I thought he'd win comfortably. Like he's a he's a classy animal. Like he's the right mix of sort of classy and hardy for that sort of race. But yeah, what he did was breathtaking. Like I think I I did ask Keelan like that night. I said, when did when did you have a look? And he went, I didn't. And I said, yeah. I say, if you had had a look, you'd have realised you were fifty lengths clear to out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, no, it was great and really great. We got the whole yard out to the pub that night. We had a great celebration. It's just days like that, are, you know, it's just dreamland, aren't they? Magic. You got us all in clover as well. Much needed, particularly after I managed to mess up some of the tips. Hermes Elaine, he's going to crush his rival. Oh, my God. At least we got Hewick Rice. Of course, the big bet had to be on Shishkin because... I'm an idiot. Um, 13 graded races run in Ireland over the festive period at Leopardstown, Limerick and Ferry House, shared between just three stables. Five wins for Gordon, one win for Jessica Harrington, seven wins for Willie Mullins. But we'll begin with the Staying Chasers, the King George and the Savills Chase, and it's the Shark, guest on the Final Furlong podcast. We had him on the show when he was still a 33-1 to shot. You surely would have backed him after hearing how bullish he was. I was thinking place prospects, really, Dennis. I thought that's how it was going to be, but it's the dream scenario for them. That being said, if Shishkin had stood up, would he have won the King George? Uh, he would, I'd say, Emmett, in my opinion, yeah. I think Shishkin would have won, and I think Aloha would have been second. Um, it would have been tight there. It would have been a tight finish with Hewick as well. I know it looks... That Hewick won well at the line, and he did, and it was a great, uh, fantastic ride. You can see how it was going to pan out. I've done it myself a hundred times um, more. It's in and in, you know, obviously lesser races, but they, it was that there was so much pace, and they went a very strong gallop in the race from the outside. But it wasn't even that they went a nice gallop. They went a good gallop early on, but then Shishkin, as you watch, and they passed the stands uh, the second time. He he gets right up there. Nico gets on and uh, appears to have added more force to the pace from there on, which, you know, none of the horses got a breeder then at any stage. And 
Hewick was hanging in there and obviously they were riding him for a place the whole way around. But then when Shishkin added the extra tempo to the race um, on the final circuit, that is when Hewick got badly outpaced. And to his credit, he never missed a fence for a handy little horse. He never missed a fence. Gavin Sheehan gave him a top-class ride. And I even said turning in that he wasn't far enough out of sight yet uh, to say that he couldn't pose a danger in the straight if they had gone too quick. Uh, he was still within uh, five, six, six lengths of them uh, of the third horse. So he was still within six, seven lengths of them coming out of the back straight and even into the straight. He still wasn't far enough out of it to say that he couldn't be involved in the finish from there on. And, uh, but when Shishkin jumped the second last and obviously took a stride, he impeded Brave Man's game, left Alaho in front, and then Alaho pulled up in front, and because that's what he does. And I don't say, I couldn't say that he definitely doesn't stay the trip, Alaho. He, he may be a weaker finish over that, finisher at that trip, but I would say he idled more than that. I would say if Shishkin had a stood up, I would have said Shishkin would have went on and won and Aloha would have been a good second. And I think uh, Huey could have been third. And that's that's my view in the race. Um, as it turned out, Huey was a, a good winner in the end. and uh, Maybe a fortuitous one, maybe not. But uh, he still, you know, he doesn't, you know, it's, it's just such a magnificent uh, story, isn't it? Incredible story. Great for racing. Uh, Great for Shark and his team. Um, good for his son, Paddy Hanlon, who rides him. Rides him work, was there to lead him up. I mean, I've seen pictures of him the day before eating their Christmas dinner in a yeah. Kempton Racecourse like, as a family. And I thought, you know, they deserve a bit of luck for doing that. That's That takes, that's what it takes, you know, to do, to to get results. And uh, yeah, that's my take on it. Um, if Shishkin didn't fall, I reckon Hewick might have been maybe fourth, uh, third, third at best, um, because I do believe that Aloha pulled up in front when he'd nothing to aim at. And if Shishkin had stayed in front of him, he would have been a good second to Shishkin. And I think uh, Huey could have been third. And that's my, that's my initial, that's my, that was my initial view. That was what I thought immediately as they crossed the line even. Well, the brave man's game backers, are surely reacting to Dennis's line, George, and thinking, what, 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 what a brave man's game. Surely he'd have won without the interference when Shishkin falls. It was his race. And then that interference. I don't think so, personally. I think he had plenty of time to be able to make up for it. So would Shishkin have won had he stood up? Would brave man's game have won had it not been for that interference? I, I, I couldn't comfortably say if Shishkin would have won or not, just knowing what he's like. I half think the reason he's taken Frodo on as early as he was was just Nico found him travelling in his hands and knowing what he's like, he's like, well, I'm not going to take a pull out of him in case he sulks. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, I just with that sort of horse, I'd be struggling to say whether he'd have won or not. I'd, I'd be a touch more positive about Brave Man's game. I thought as they came down to the second last, he looked far more likely to be hitting the front than Alaho did. And Shishkin's unseat sort of handed Alaho a four, five length head start over him, and he's made it all back by the line. Like I, I, I think certainly I think Brave Man's game you would be really encouraged by that. Like if you were thinking of backing for Cheltenham, and 
to be honest, like in, in a picture that's sort of slowly falling apart, the Gold Cup picture, like bar the favourite, you could probably do worse than back in Brave Man's game each way at a decent price because Alaho's not going to go there now. You know, so Jerry Clom's got questions to answer. Beyond that, it's quite shallow. With Frodon making the running, I think every jockey in that field at some point's probably fallen foul of giving Frodon an easy lead. And although he's not getting any younger and they probably didn't think he was a threat, I think they were they were far more cautious of letting him have a free in front than they have been in the past. And that competed to go quite fast on the first circuit. Then Shishki and Damon have gone even quicker. And like Dennis said, they just never got a breather of most of those horses. Um, and Hewitt just flowed out. Yeah, your signal just slightly broke up there, but I completely take on board everything you said. Um, I, I could take a very positive view about Brave Man's game with a view to the Gold Cup, and you could make the argument that he's a cracking each way bet at 20s with a number of firms. There's another way of looking at it, too. Either he's feeling the effects of a hard run in the Gold Cup, which many horses do, or this is as good as he is. And last year, he didn't have to face Gentleman's Game and Hewick, and Royal Pagai at Haydock around three mile two on soft ground is a very different Royal Pagai to three miles at Kempton, and maybe that's what it is. Do you, do you see anything in that, Dennis? Is it just possible that this is who Brave Man's game is, and this is the form he can run to? No. No, I think he's a bit below form, um, and I think uh, they got caught on the hop first day he ran away to be, and the ground was softer than they thought, and probably didn't meet a horse with the, the you know, the gentleman's game is a pretty rock-solid horse. Like in Ireland, he's a bit below grade one in Ireland, but he's certainly up to winning a grade two Charlie Hall, you know. Um, so I would say they got caught a little bit on fitness the first day uh, in, 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 in Weatherby. And then, you know, it was a strange decision to run him in the Betfair chase uh, mm. in where he took in another extremely hard race off the back of a hard race. And, uh, you know, he then ran now in the King George and had another hard race. And uh, to me, they don't look like they're training him for the, uh, this one big day this year. Um, I feel like they're throwing all their darts uh, at the dart board. And I do agree with both of you. He possibly is a each way chance in the Gold Cup, but there's certainly, you know, he's he, with the likes of Faster Slow now. Jerry Kalam, come, he's definitely in the picture as well. Like they're they're definitely, he's there's going to be more, even one or two more. He, you know, he's he, he's going to do well. Like he's going to do well. To I just think he got a very hard race in in the Gold Cup last year as well for a horse that isn't a doer there. Yeah, uh, you know the, the the Gold Cup's an extra half mile, so you know up a hill. So uh, uh, I'd love to see him run the Grand National. I know it's run over f- four mile, but that's a different different sort of a test. But he's such a fluent jumper. Uh, a jumper on flat track would be brilliant for him too. Look, I, he, he on his form last year, he's certainly in it each way. But uh, it's it's looking to me more likely that they'll take their time more with Hewick this year so he's more likely to be involved in the finish in the Gold Cup than he was last year he he wasn't that far out of it last year when he fell but he was prominent all the way uh, up there up there the whole way but you know this year you know he could take his time and he, he could he could nick a few he could nick a play spot but uh, yeah I, th- I think I think he's brave in his games it, it, to me he appears to be a bit below a bit below his best 
But even at that, he's had a couple of hard races uh, on the run-up to the King George, you know? Yeah. Well, you'd imagine that the the way the race is going to pan out, and just with the way the form has panned out as well, for um for Brave Man's Game and Conflated, uh, neither of them have really done anything to advertise the form in any particular way. So maybe if Hewitt had stood up, you might have actually gotten second in the Gold Cup on the basis of what Brave Man's uh, Game and, and he, Conflated are doing. He probably wouldn't. He, he probably wouldn't, Emmett. No, no. Like, you know, any of the good judges looking at it, you know, he'd have been fifth or sixth, you know, in last year's Gold Cup. Um, he was ridden very prominently last year in the Gold Cup. But sure, it's clear and obvious, like, that if they take their time with the horse, you know, he's going to, you don't have to bust the stair, like, you know, and everyone knows that. So if he takes his time in the Gold Cup this year and they fly up front, which they should, then, you know, he's got a great chance of running on into a place again, you know. Uh, it's, it's, you know, that's that's the way I view it, you know. Um, I just thought he was ridden very handy last year in the Gold Cup, you know, and they feel he's just a stare. But I feel that horse needs a chance. So they go too fast in the Gold Cup. They didn't keep George. Maybe they won't, you know, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll be, there'll be some bit of sense there, you know, so it might be difficult for him, but, uh, I, I, he's a good horse, Hewick. He's a good horse, uh, but I find him myself thinking that he's fourth is best to you know in the Gold Cup. Okay, it's a it's a reasonable point to be made and a very fair point to be made as well. Um, that being said, when it comes to the Gold Cup itself, they're all going to have to find something to beat Gallop on the shop because clearly. The Gold Cup George has really left a mark on him. He's just not the same horse. He's a shell of the horse he once was. He's a take on horse forevermore. My goodness, this was stunning. That's a career best performance from Gallop on the Shop. Yeah, it'd have to be. It absolutely have to be. It was like I say, breathtaking what he's done to like you look where Conflated and Jerry Colomb were at the last. Even if even if Jerry Colomb's underperformed, he he would have smashed Conflated and he's a fairly reliable yardstick. Like um Obviously, he looked like benefited from being ridden a bit handier, like he was able to use his jumping a bit more, which is always his weapon. Like this sort of, there's been a lot of talk about it. like they half tried to turn him into a stayer last year and switch him off and that, and he sort of almost switched off too much first time out to the point where he was almost sort of chipping in at all his fences, not really taking a cut. But um, he seemed to really enjoy being in, ridden handy away again. Um, he just he's incredible, isn't he? Like. If he can go and replicate what he did in the Gold Cup again last year, they have to start talking about him in some fairly lofty terms, up with the likes of Cato Star and that, won't we? Oh, very much so. I think it is worth repeat, repeating that in the 99-year history of the race, there's only been eight multiple winners for the Gold Cup, which is an extremely low number when you really think about it. But one of those... Can you multi- name them all? Oh, God. No, 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 I can't. <laughs> Let's do the quiz. In December 2024, Touchwood, we'll all be well. Dennis, you can get studying for it now. We'll do the Final Fallen Podcast Christmas quiz, and we'll remember to put that question in. Name the maybe nine multiple winners of the Gold Cup. Maybe GDC will have done it. He's certainly the one they all have to beat. But it is worth remembering. The positives are Willie Mullins trained album photo to win two Gold Cups. I don't think those Gold Cups were anywhere near as strong as this particular one is going to be. This is going to be a really, really strong Gold Cup, and that's no disrespect to album photo and what he achieved but Seymour Business won a Gold Cup won a King George got beaten as an odds on favourite in it Denman couldn't retain his Gold Cup crown I know he had issues 
Cotto Starr could never defend his Gold Cup crown either. He's the only horse in history to regain it, but couldn't defend it. And yet he was winning King George's and Betfair Chases in between. The point I'm making is, it's very difficult to defend the Gold Cup crown. And it looks real easy right now. But there's a reason Gallop on Champ is not just a strong, heavy, odds-on favorite with everyone going, you can have whatever price you want about the rivals. Because the odds compilers are looking at this, Dennis, and they're thinking, this might be a little bit more open than some people are thinking. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd say uh, Fast or Slow of Martin, Martin Brazel's horse has got a huge chance as well. And, you know, um, I'd say he's got a, a fantastic chance. Uh, rightly so. Missed, missed the Savile's chase the other day due to the ground or whatever. But, you know, he would have got a devastating... He wouldn't have beaten um, Gallop and the Champs the other day, I don't think. Um, but... Solon, listen, Willie, after in any of his interviews, he reckoned, you know, he was, he'd been nervous to take on fast or slow with Gallup and the Champs at, at the DRF. So, yeah. uh, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's, oh God, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a hell of a horse, uh, Gallup and the Champs. He was absolutely sensational the other day. Uh, clearly lost his confidence jumping in behind horses these last two runs and decided to ride him with a bit of space and, it's worked, and uh, he was devastating. Did it one? I think it's the best performance I've ever seen in a seventh chase ever. Yeah. Um, I thought was I thought he's the horse that they all have to beat now. Uh, but fast or slow has beaten him twice, and it's still a bit of an underdog, you know, which is amazing. Uh, but yeah, uh, big chance, fast or slow. Uh, I would say, um, I would say Jerry Colum. Got, I would agree with George. I would say he ran a little bit below, a little bit below, not not much now, just a little bit, and might have got sucked into following a bang on form gallop in the champs into the straight very early, and taking him on very early, and I did notice when Jack knew he couldn't get near him, he he eased up on him at the back of the last, hence why he was beaten the distance he was. Uh, you could probably, if Jack kept going and kept riding him and got stuck into him, you could bring him 10 lengths closer to Gallop and the Champs. So that's my view on that. Jack knew, once Jack knew uh, he couldn't he couldn't get near that winner, he almost minded him. Yeah. And uh, maybe he felt he wasn't quite right. I do agree with you now. He wasn't quite right, George. I, he wasn't quite right. Uh he wasn't far off, but he was he was still second. But uh, he definitely uh, won't probably beat Galvin de Champs. But he's a horse that would absolutely have as good a chance as Brave Man's game in the Gold Cup. Uh, maybe even slightly better. Uh, high quality horse, only ever been beaten twice. Should have only been beaten once in his life. Uh, and Dennis O'Regan was riding him that day in the Brown Cup. Advisory. He'd have won. <laughs> well, that's it. But uh, that's you know that's the winner got an exceptional ride on the day. Yeah, and uh, he's probably not a bad horse either. The real backer uh, on a going day, but um, yeah, it's look, it's it's very open at the moment. But it's 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 all galloping the champs at the moment. Yeah, very much. Can so. I just on on um actually on a similar note to what you're saying about Hewick about not but you know you can't bust a stayer. Did you say there was a touch of that in how Jack sort that's, of sat off Jerry Colomb? That, that's it, George. That's what's happened. Worried about uh, busting I mean, him 
A, not finishing second, B, giving him a really hard race. Well, you, you must remember, like, he went, he was favoured for a period of time in the Savile's chase. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until the off that Galvin de Champs was favoured. Do you know what I mean? It was... Uh, so they obviously the money came from so they obviously believed in Cullen Tra like that they had that was going to win they were going to beat Galpin de Champs on Galpin de Champs previous performances so they didn't know what to expect again and I reckon yeah Jack decided in the race that he wasn't going to leave off Galpin de Champs an inch and fair play to the horse because the horse still took him better than any other horse he still took him all the way with Gallop de Champs, but he got into this awful uh, struggle with him from the turn in Leperstown, and that is a long way from the home. That's a long way from the line there, and uh, definitely got involved early. And now, if he took his time in the Savage Chase, he just would have had a, a a better second. He wouldn't have won, but he definitely is value. Uh, for being a lot closer to Gallop and the Champs than he was at Savage Chase because Jack definitely eased off him. Uh, definitely, without a doubt, he, he definitely eased off him once he knew. And uh, I, think, I think he got a terribly hard race there now, uh, Jerry Colombe as well. But um, he might have just ran slightly below as well. He, Jerry Colombe would win a Lord, Mindo, Lord Windermere Gold Cup. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, he probably just doesn't have that absolute top level class to win the Gold Cup uh, this year anyway and you know uh, wouldn't have won it last year either might have been third to them two horses you know so that's where you're at with Jerry Colombe at the moment you know but uh, this will be the first time in that he will have encountered an extended half mile at a staying track in this year's Gold Cup so it'll be interesting to see what kind of improvement that would bring out in Jerry Colombe yeah, three miles, two and a half furlongs on the new course where the emphasis is very much on stamina as opposed to the old course for the brand advisory where it's very much on speed. So that's a positive for him for sure. Um, I wouldn't be quick to write him off. I also should clarify, I'm not by any means advocating that people should be backing Brave Man's Game as a scumbag each way, but I wouldn't back Brave Man's Game with stolen money. But I can see the... Underst- he, I can- he won't run again from now till Cheltenham anyway, will he? No, nah, I can't imagine he will. If he so did... On the day. If he did, George... I'd be very worried about that. I wouldn't see that as a positive. If they threw him into an Aeon chase, does that even exist anymore in this new fixture list? Um, if they threw him into Denman. a Gold Cup trip, yeah, yeah. if they put him into a Denman chase, I don't know if that would actually be something I'd see as a positive. Um, I don't think he's the same horse this season. I don't. No, but they won't run him. Nichols is a savage, great trainer. He'll have him back and he'll have him right maybe for the Gold Cup. But I just think they dipped. They dipped too many times now this year. Uh, Weatherby, hard race. Adoc, two weeks later, hard race. King George, three weeks later, hard race. You know, yeah. it's tough He's going. got a lot of time to freshen it up and get him right now, though. And he's, uh, he does. He's, he does. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. 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 The positive yeah. is it's two yeah. seconds in grade ones. You could at least say that. And second to a progressive horse in gentleman's game. But I think yeah. you are. You're the yeah. fat guy in the milkshake store. You're clutching at straws, really, if you're back in Brave Man's game at this point. Um, can I give a shout to one of the beaten horses as well? Yeah, of course. I, I've I've been really impressed, but I appreciate it this season. I thought he did very well the last day, splitting fast or slow and galloping the champs. And he was running a huge race in the Savills before he just didn't stay. I think he's something like 14 to 1 for the Ryanair. And I can't see him going anywhere else. I think 
you, you could do far worse. You could do far worse than him, 14 to 1 the Ryanair. He's, he's just looks a lot happier this year. I don't know, he's travelling kindly, he's jumping well, he looks to be really enjoying his racing. Yeah, I, I get the positive from Dennis about Alaho. I'll be completely honest to say, I don't see it that way. But I need to go and bang my head off the wall and recalibrate because I got almost everything wrong with the exception of Founder 50 in the Racing Post and I was Chase. And everything else I got spectacularly wrong. So I need to recalibrate the head and see where, where I'm, um, I'm at with these, um, with these bets. Stay with us on the Final Front Podcast for more winning advice. Oh, dearie me. Um, but I, Alaho at 9-4 <laughs> to four makes absolutely no appeal to me for a Ryanair Chase. I'm really keen to go and take him on with something. Stage star... That feature ITV were doing where they they actually mic'd up or they just put the ITV mic on Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden before the, the uh, race yesterday. I was doing a, a, an event, same event that I did with Shark Hanlon last year. Um, so I didn't get to see that race until today. But that was a really interesting piece of information to get beforehand. Paul Nichols didn't seem to fancy him at all. Like If, you, if you're in with a chance of winning, great, but don't give him a hard race, soft ground. He had a hard race the other day. This is all about getting him to Cheltenham in March. So don't like the fact that he pulled up, but I wouldn't rule him out. Um, Envoy LN is the one who just screams at me and, and appreciated as well, George. Um, appreciated represents that new form line, but also a stage star form line. And they know he stays, at least he stays this trip. He won't stay three miles. So the Reiner is surely the race to go for with him. Do you know me? I'm president of the Envoy LN fan club, but um, just at the minute, I'll probably end up backing him on the day. But right now, I can't see appreciate it going off fourteen to one in a field that's going to really cut up. Yeah, like, as you say, he represents better value now. You're not going to get much more than three places on day. You might get four, but um, you know where he's going. He's not going to go Champion Chase or Gold Cup, is he? No, and he's certainly not. I wouldn't think he'd go the handicap route. So they, they were giving him. Wouldn't back him now. The fact that they had him in the two mile Grade One chase till very very late means that they were trying to decide, what, what do we do with this guy? Do we go back? Do we go up? They've chosen to go up. Now they know he doesn't stay. You go intermediate trip again. Yeah, He wasn't good enough in the Turners they last year. They had, a, sorry, they had a good feeling he wasn't going to stay three miles. Yeah. In fact, they had him in over two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he's just a... He's a native upmanship. Doesn't up and tend ship. to be the way nowadays. Yeah, he's just a difficult horse yeah, to place. Yeah. He's a native upmanship. He's an envoy LN, really. I um, see Envoy Lennon yeah. is down to 5-1 to one with some form. Surely they're non-runner, no bet. Yeah, they are. So William Hill and Ada Dates have gone non-runner, no bet today. Yeah, 5-1, to one. no thanks. Um, I'd be like you. I, I haven't had a bet in this race yet, but as things stand, Alaho would make no appeal to me. The question for both of you is, is Gallop on the Champ, we can all accept, is the most likely winner and the one they all have to beat. Who is the horse that really appeals to you that you would back right now if you had to against him? And is Shishkin on that list, George? I I can never be with Shishkin, to be honest. I just I, I just I just don't I can't I can't take any sort of a price about unless he was a ridiculous price on the day. Like you have to factor in so much of his sort of like little um, what you call him? Yeah, synch- what you call him? Idiosyncrasies. But um, Ooh, good word. I if, if I had to have a bet now, it probably would be Brave Man's Game each way. I think 16 to 1, 20 to 1 tremendous value. But again, he's not going to run between now and then. I'd probably wait until a bit close to the time. Probably wait for non-runner no bet, to be honest. If no, Nichols doesn't mind swerving Cheltenham. If, if it did come up soft, he might wait for the bowl. 
Yeah, so I'd probably I was wondering that actually. You won't if you go for the pole. You're not going to have to face basically any of the horses. No. Maybe Shishkin, but that's about it. That's the only one that would actually rock up there. Um, all of the main contenders. Not, 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 not run no bet nowadays. The prices hardly change anyway because they're priced up as if they're there on the day anyway. Antipose. There's not a lot of value in these markets. So, well, if odds, even if he if odds checker are right. William Hill really don't like Brave Man's game because they're going industry best price twenties with non runner no bet for the Gold Cup. With non runner no bet. Yeah. Okay. I'd, yeah. If you have a William Hill account, I take that. <laughs> George, George is coming for you, William Hill. He's coming for you, uh, Dennis. Who appeals to you for the Gold Cup as the prices currently stand, or does anything appeal to you? Uh, is gentleman's game out for the season? No, he's meant to come back for the Cotswold Chase. I give him an each way chance to go up. I like it. Is there a chance he goes Ryanair to avoid Jerry Colombo? No. 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 No way. Because he's not quick enough. He's not gonna be he's not gonna beat No, he looks a goal cup horse to me. With I, a I, horse I, I, yeah, he looks a goal cup no, horse to me. No, I don't think he's gonna have the tactical pace for the Ryanair. Um uh, you're gonna have Envy Allen there with way more speed than uh, brave man's game. Uh, yeah, I no. He looks to me like a horse that's going to be better going out and trip as well. So, uh, he's going to be very fresh for the Gold Cup. He's not going to have taken on hardly any, you know, hardly any hard races throughout the winter. Um, and Mouse Morris is a genius and yeah. does very very well in the Gold Cup. And I think this horse has an each way chance in the Gold Cup. And Brian Atchison was so classy talking about Gallop on Deschamps. He's, several times he's called him the best horse since Cotto Star, but just accepted defeat very gracefully. They'll give it a go, but no excuses for Jerry Kalam. Uh, and just in awe of him, saying he'd love to own him, what a horse he is, and it's our job to compete against him, but you have to admire the horse as well. It's stunning stuff from Gallop on Deschamps and everybody involved with him. Um, of one of the outsiders, could Naslam be headed down the Gold Cup route? Because the handicapper has done the Gary Moore team... No favours whatsoever. A £12 rise after his demolition job in the Welsh Grand National. To be honest, he was so good there, George. My initial reaction was you got to throw him into a goal cup if it's soft ground. Yeah, yeah no, I said the very same like, a few minutes after the race. So, but His mark might be blown for the National. It might not. We don't know. But isn't it? I think there are five, six, five or six horses that have won the Welsh National carrying 11-6 or more. The Carville's Hill, Synchronised, Native River, uh, the horse of... Secret Reprieve? Oh, I can't remember that. Secret Reprieve and Master Oates, isn't it? So out of them, you've got um, three Gold Cup winners, should have been four Gold Cup winners. You'd think, you'd feel very silly come Friday of Cheltenham week if it came up soft and he wasn't in it. And it's 750 quid to enter him now, I think. So you, you have to stick him in it. You have to, I think. Um, look, he, he's always been a horse we thought was really classy. Like, you have to... His first win as a juvenile, like, he absolutely blitzed them. And it was the same race Goshen had won the year before at Fontball. And we're like, geez, this one might be even better. Like, it was he was breathtaking. I say he's three from three in blinkers now. He was totally wrong all last season. Like I said, the blinkers have done him the world of good because they've sharpened his jumping. First day I saw him schooling them, I was like, oh, geez, who's that? Like, it's a totally different horse. 
but say he was wrong last season. You take out last season, he's only been out the first two once. Once in the beach, was his turn this year, four blinks on it. The other one carrying top weight in the front window. It ran, it ran off up 140 as a four in the front window. Um, other than that, and you take out last season, he's first two every single start he's ever had. But he's a proper, proper horse. It's just, I think the fact that he was sort of in and around the placings in a lot of big handicaps last year, people have sort of stopped talking about him as a classy horse and more of a sort of, you know, good old servant. And actually, he's got plenty of class. He really has. Um, so if it, if it came up heavy Gold Cup day, I'd probably back him, to be honest. But um, yeah, I, I, I think you've got to have him in there just in case, haven't you? Well, that insight from you in the Christmas preview about the fact that he's unbeaten in blinkers as well. The blinkers were back on for the Welsh Grand National trial, back on for the Welsh Grand National itself. That was a massive one. But I, th- I think the favourite piece of analysis from most listeners was, he's got feet like dinner plates. Magic stuff from you. <laughs> Absolutely magic. Um, could he follow and synchronise the Native River's footsteps, though, Dennis? Is he a player in the Gold Cup on soft ground? Does he need it to be soft ground? Uh, well, he would, I would say, need it to be soft ground. Um, clearly, George knows the horse, and George says, you know, he fancied him if the ground was heavy, so he, he clearly wants heavy ground. Um, he was very impressive, wasn't he? God, he, was, he showed fierce class and speed there from four out to two to one out. In the Welsh, in you know, in the Welsh national, um, and the handicapper clearly thinks he he's put him into that level now, isn't he? Graded level. Uh, he's a horse that I feel, uh, again might come up short in a goal cup. Uh, Here he is George. Uh, he's very very impressive the other day. And, uh, you know, I absolutely love uh, Gary Moore uh, as a trainer. I think he's phenomenal. And I'd love to see him with a chance in the Gold Cup. Um, Do I think it'll be heavy on the day? I don't know. Uh, But the Gold Cup is an altogether different kettle of fish than the Welsh National this year. Um. I'd say it's one of the best Gold Cups for a long time, you know, when you take put in the likes of Lahome Press, we haven't even mentioned him. Uh, like, there's there's so many, didn't there? there's so many with chances in the Gold Cup this year. Uh, I think, uh, you know, when you look at it on the cold light of day, on the day, and Nassam was in the Gold Cup, and the ground was soft, not heavy, soft, you know, spring soft. You just find it hard to say that he was going to win the Gold Cup. Now, I don't know the horse, and he looked very, very classy the other day, but he actually looked to me like a horse that could come back and trip. I don't know whether I'm right or wrong. Maybe I'm making no sense whatsoever. But on on really heavy ground, I felt he was a horse that could actually come back and trip. Um, He he has that explosive burst. And, uh, you know, you couldn't rule him out. No, you couldn't rule him out hanging on to him a bit and maybe riding him for a little bit of that kind of explosive burst but I uh, I don't know if he would get the extra trip in the Gold Cup I might be talking complete uh, rubbish here now George and I'm sure you'll correct me in a second and feel and feel free to do so but t- to me uh, he wouldn't get the, the last quarter of mile in the Gold Cup 
And I know he was a very impressive Welsh National winner and there is a steep finish in the Welsh National and I get it. Uh, but effectively, the handicapper said he was £12 well in. Well, he won't be £12 well in the Gold Cup. Yeah. So, um, so I, I don't know what you think of that and he's obviously a class animal. Uh, there's also a race in Lingfield that might suit him, I think, isn't there? Very valuable race. Uh, and yeah, and that'd be very heavy ground there, you know. Maybe that's yeah. a race to consider, you know. Yeah, no, I, I hundred percent. What about what about the Scottish national? Yeah, yeah, I say I, hundred percent agree with you. I, I'm not saying by any extent of the imagination he's going to go and win the World Cup. I just think he had a very wet week in March. Yeah, very silly if he wasn't in it. Do you and know what I mean? Possible, yeah. and it's possible. Yeah. It's, it's possible that could happen now as well, you know, with the way the weather is. We had a very soft, if you remember the World Hurdle last year, it yeah. was it was bottomless. It was a bottom. so, they do happen heavy ground golf. It was Master Oaks, was that heavy? Was it, I believe that wasn't. Yeah. yeah. I I rode in one Gold Cup was heavy, uh, Bobsworth. I yeah. was fifth. Uh, that, year was, that year was heavy. Oh, the year uh, Shop was second under McCoy. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That's right, yeah, it was, it was bottomless. But, um, yeah, no, I, I just think you'd feel silly if he wasn't in it. And at the end of the day, it's, it's about, like, the owners having a great time and having a good day out. And if you're going to give him, I think they, they want to go for the national, regardless of what we think, you know, he's the right race or isn't the right race. I think the Gold Cup is as good a prep for the national as any in, in the, is he going to have that much harder a race in a gold cup off level weights with those horses than he would do carrying top weight somewhere else, say maybe at Lingfield, giving lumps of weight away to everything on potentially bad ground. Like you say, they uh, fair enough, like he put in a monster performance at Chepstow the other day, but it's the first day he's ever not eaten up the next morning. Like he's, Ooh. he knows he's had a race. Like he's, um, it, 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 well, he, he doesn't anymore. He's over it now, but like, yeah. you know, for a couple of, he would have been off his feet and he'd have been a bit quiet. I just worry about maybe doing that to him at Lingfield. I suppose there's plenty of time from then to Aintree as well, but um, uh, they're very sporting owners. And I think that if Gary says, let's go Gold Cup, let's have a bit of fun, they'll, they'll probably go. As they, they must be the luckiest owners in, in racing. Like I was, I was speaking to Gary about it the other day. I said, I don't think they've ever had a bad horse. Like they they bought... The first horse they ever had with us was a naught to one hundred horse, but he won three races and they paid naught to one hundred money for him. Like every they've had Botox, Botox has, has yeah. Baron Alco, a horse called Casse Tet that won a good race round was it Cheltenham or Newbury. He won a good race, and unfortunately he he um he's no longer with us. But um there's up ten down one, Nasalam, like they just, they've got a very good way of doing it. Rather than having 20 horses for two grand each, they just spend the whole lot on one and just try and find a nice horse. So it's, you get a lot of owners that are obsessed with having a string and end up with a lot of very, not, not very good horses. And this lot are like, no, we'll buy one a year and it's going to be a good one. And um, yeah, no, I've, fair play to them. Like, but then yeah, you've got fair, somebody, I agree with all that. Brilliant. Yeah, no, it's, it's very well said. It's just interesting when you talk about how some owners like to have a string, like clearly that's what Brian Atchison wants to do. It just turns out that his string is incredible quality. Every, no, but, yeah, every but year is amazing. Spending, 
he's spending John and Evolve's money on every single horse in the string. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, but it's taken years. It's taken years for, yeah. for Brian to get to, to where he is now. I mean, yeah. Brian is in the game 10 years, like, yeah. uh, and, has had a, and has had strings of bad horses. Like, so he knows all about all the ones that never make it, all the ones that don't even, you get to see, you don't even get to see. You know, they're going through them, like. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, He's only getting back what he's put in now, like, basically. He's got some quality now, though. Uh, but it's all about Naslan. Oh. Very, very exciting horse. Uh, Aintree sounds like the plan, but if it's soft ground for the Gold Cup, do not rule him out at all. And if the Gold Cup ended up being won by Brave Man's Game, for example, and it was soft ground, you'd be kicking yourself for not having Naslan in there as well. If, if a horse like that ends up winning it, and there is some bigger up, big upset, you should have been in there too. Let's talk about future Gold Cup horses. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Um, horses that we'll see at the Cheltenham Festival. One very notable novice chaser that we will not see at the Cheltenham Festival is the prize money's not good enough. Ilé Francais will stay in his native France, will almost certainly crush whatever dares to take him on. I thought the biggest giveaway about this after the fact was Willie Mullins talking on Racing TV about how he looked at the entries for the Cotto Star Novice Chase because we were thinking about Classical Dream or Grange Clare West and theorizing whether or not one of those would turn up. Willie said as soon as he saw L.A. Francais' name in the entries, no, that's it. Not, we're not sending anything over there, including Grange Clare West. He was stunningly impressive, Dennis, and obviously many people have made the point he wins the Cotto Star Novice Chase in a time over four seconds faster than Hewick wins the King George. Obviously, if Shishkin stood up, it would have been a different time, but still, for a novice chaser, that is some performance. It was phenomenal. It was one of the performances of the year, never mind the Christmas. Um, it was 
outstanding, jumping from fence to fence. But I take it he's only five, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's a young horse, isn't he? And same as long run. I think they're absolutely. Yeah, I think they're absolutely right. Uh, they're going for the French Gold Cup, uh, so they're not really going for the money. They're just protect. They are obviously going for the money, but he is trained in France, like so. That is their pinnacle over there. I mean, he. In all fairness, I mean, if you can win the Gold Cup as a novice in France, I mean, in fairness, you know, he's not going to. You'd be fairly throwing him in the deep end, taking on Gallop and Deschamps now and all them horses in the English Gold Cup. Yeah. So uh, it's, Jesus, I'd say they're doing the right thing with him. Uh, they're minding him. They can bring him back for the Gold Cup next year. Uh, you know, that that's going to be the plan by the sounds of it. But outstanding performance, jump from fence to fence. James really dropped his hands, got him into a really good rhythm straight away. Uh, huge uh, stride takes in a huge amount of ground and, you know, barring one little tiny mistake, got lengths at his fences and James always felt assured on the horse, always, never felt in any danger. And, you know, I'd say on soft ground, he can go any speed, any tempo. Um, a really fascinating horse. He Definitely reminded me of Kato Star, yeah. and uh, I thought, you know, when I seen it, I would just I loved him. And you know, his farm, he's got farm in France with uh, Irish Pint, uh, Icaroco, uh, Cheltenham Festival winner last year won the Martin Pipe. He's got farm with Irish Pint. I, he beat Irish Pint. Irish Pint beat him. Um, uh, so all that farm is tied in with Grade One stuff anyway. So he is top drawer he's top drawer and uh, you know it's fantastic to uh, see a horse like him come from France because they need a good horse to be coming over they need him to be coming over um, so that the Irish aren't getting blamed all the time for, for winning everything in England so they need a bit of they need a bit of French and uh, it's great to see them with a with a high class chaser like him well, and it's nice to see Noel George as well you know he's he's going to make Noel George isn't he Uh He's going to make him now, isn't he, as a trainer? So uh, hopefully he stays sound. Uh, a fabulous racehorse. Yeah, Top one, class. One of the things I find fascinating about this is France has been a feeder system for British and Irish racing for years now. All of the leading British and Irish owners want ex-French horses, and we we take the best of their young horses, we bring them here, and we make them champions. That's what Willie Gordon, Paul Nichols, Nicky Henderson do. This fellow is British-owned, kept in France. You can watch French racing on Sky Sports Racing. You can see every single race live on Sky Sports Racing. You can travel to France very cheaply these days. You can fly over and fly back on the same day. You can get the Eurostar. How many more owners, Dennis, are going to start thinking, why are we racing for pathetic prize money in Britain when we can do what the Irish are doing? Have our horses trained in Ireland, come over and win all the prestigious races in the UK, go back to Ireland, or have a horse trained in France, scoop up all that major prize money in France, then if you want to, still compete in the big prestigious British races, but go back to France. Yeah, I think, uh, look, I've been, I've been a, a big, uh, you know, I've been saying it for a long time, you know, there's plenty of other people now with, with uh, bigger reputations than me that are, are saying it plenty at the moment, including at the weekend on ITV. But, you know, it's, it's such a signal to see, uh, where English racing is at at the moment. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm sure George and everyone will agree, like it's it's not the quality it should be at. And uh the good horses aren't getting to run enough. Uh the then there's not enough tra- good trainers with enough good horses. And you know, it's the same old, same old, you know, it's not changing. And uh I think I I remember riding for Ray Anderson Green when I was in the north of England and he had a lot of horses in training in France at the time. You know, he's he and he he's the owner of Merry Go, won three Scottish Nationals. He 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 owned plenty of nice horses in the UK. But he had a lot of runners in France he had a lot of horses based in France. And Calvin Hughes, I'm sure, is it's not the first time they've had horses based in France. Uh I'm sure Rich Ritchie has Horses in France, J.B. McManus' horses in France, Simon Manier's horses in France. So they all have horses in France, but yet they all want to compete in the UK. But they're all, they used to bring them to the UK immediately. But now they're leaving them in France, building up enough in the bank, giving them a, a, a good start in France, getting them jumping, getting them going. And then, you know, uh, they're probably just leaving them there because the prize money is so good for the likes of the Gold Cups, the the Grand National in in Altai, the uh, the Champion Hurdle in Altai, serious money now, mega bucks, and uh, so like it's very hard for anyone to uh, if they're French bred and they're trained by top French trainers, it's very hard to take them out of France, isn't it? When the prize money is so good, and um, you know, uh, but. You know, I do. I Cheltenham is the pinnacle uh, in England. It really is. Uh, it it absolutely is. And uh, you know, come March, it's grand given out now. But come March, everyone will want to be there. And uh, but you know, I have to say, this Cheltenham weekend just gone like it was. It was pretty disappointing to see so many small fields. You know, and they are trying their best to maybe put on a big show, but. Who's going to run their good horses this time of year? Like, they've all run at Christmas. Yeah. You know, New Year's Day. Who's going to run on bad ground at Cheltenham? Everyone knows that the, the meetings at Cheltenham from January onwards, uh, while the ground is so bad and deep, and I know they were saying the other day it, it wasn't too bad, but uh, the next meeting now at Cheltenham, you know, is going to be a, a, the, the Cotswold Chase. Isn't that the next meeting at Cheltenham? Yeah. Is that at the end of the month? That's like that's a gruder. You know, no one is gonna run good horses there. I mean, what's the point in having it there? But then I suppose the Dublin Race Festival is in February and uh but it's a different track. Yeah. It's a different track. Stiff track, but not not with the same sort of uh But it's uh, it's funny though, Dennis, because um I got a WhatsApp yesterday from a presenter a colleague of mine saying, God, they got some crowd for Cheltenham. Like thirty three thousand people turning up. Premierization must work. And then a few minutes later, he said, Scra-. "He sent me a message saying, scratch that.' There were thirty eight thousand people at it last year. It just turns out it's a big day. People want to go. Uh, and I'm not critiquing uh, premierization already. Day. Yeah, look, we, we'll we'll give it time. In fact, I've been very critical of the British Horse Racing Authority throughout most of 2023, and we're into a new year. I was going to save this until. We're doing a special edition of the Final Furlong Podcast on Friday. We're going to do an industry special talking about some of the big issues in racing, what can be done to fix them, what needs to be done. Uh, Matt Chapman's already done a brilliant video where he's outlaid, outlaid his concerns. But maybe it's the beginning of a new year. It's the first episode of the new year. Maybe George is going to be shocked at this. Maybe we should just do a list of things that 
the British Horse Racing Authority have either implemented or have suggested implementing various different suggestions that they were going through and different things, different strategies in 2023 to improve the sport that I think are good and praise them as opposed to just criticizing them. So came up with a list. Yeah, I got nothing. This is a blank piece of paper. The sky is falling in British racing. It's a nightmare. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how it gets fixed. I don't have the solutions. But man, surely one of the things you could do is implement, instead of restrictions, like Willie Mullins, Gordon Elliott, no sign of them at all for New Year's Day at Cheltenham. Not, not a single entry between them. And yet, oh, we've got to impose uh, a limit on the number of runners one trainer can have in the Class 1 and Class 2 handicaps because that's the real problem in British racing, despite the fact that uh, it's already been worked out that since 2018 that would only have affected 4.17% of the races. That's the number in the top of my head. Um, yeah, this is being reductionist, being protectionist. That's not the way to solve it. What about incentives to encourage owners to have horses in, in training in Britain? There's wonderful trainers there, incredibly talented trainers there. But what's the incentive to have a horse in training in the UK? Well, maybe if you take all the existing novice hurdles and novice chases and say win, win a race of this particular category with a novice hurdler or a novice chaser, and if that horse goes on to win at Cheltenham, you get a £50,000 bonus. But if that horse goes on to win at the Aintree Grand National Meeting or the Scottish Grand National Meeting or Sandown's End of Season Meeting, it's a hundred grand bonus. So you're building up those other festivals while also actively giving an incentive for owners to have a horse in training in Britain. And if, it, if the Irish want to come over and compete... Great, you can compete, but you don't, you're not eligible for the bonus. It's just for British-trained horses. That would be the BHA having to put their money into the satchel and commit to something as opposed to just doing reductionist, protectionist policies that don't cost them anything. Yeah, rather than continue to advertise a package that isn't working to people who don't want to go racing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the thing like, oh, well, if we get Peppa Pig in on Saturday, that'll get more people in the gate. Like, yeah, but it doesn't improve the racing. Might get more people it, in the gate, but like, the the fundamental problem is the programme. Have you spoken to anybody just, who was at Cheltenham? Say, on, on, have you spoken to anybody who was at Cheltenham on New Year's Day, George? And did they tell you anything about how how much better it was under this new premierization? What, what was so much better about? Because I've spoken to people who were there. And they said there was no difference to last year. To their memory and to their experience, it was the same as it was last year. All that talk of grand promises, they didn't see any of it. Now, that's I wasn't there, and that's anecdotal evidence from people who were. Maybe they're stitching me up, but that's what they were saying. No, I, I didn't. I know Josh was there, but I, did, I didn't actually speak to him about anything like that. But I'll tell you how close that day was to an absolute disaster. Was I was watching the race Cloudy Glen run in, and it took me a second, like my, like I can't explain, it, but like there was something. The race was wrong, and I went, "Wait, that's Richmond Lake." No, it's not. No, it's Cloudy Glen. And I went, Do you know why I couldn't tell the races apart? There were two races with like five, six runners with three of the same sets of silks. If the McNeil family, the Hemmings family, and Di Walters hadn't supported that meeting, how much trouble it would have been in? Like they had what seven, eight runners between them yeah and there are five runners in every race that that's how close we're relying 
we're relying so heavily on these people to keep investing their money in racing rather than trying to bring new owners in. Like those are, it's fantastic to have like supporters of the sport, like those people. Yep. But my God, like these, these things happen, unfortunately in Mr. Hemmings's case, like people pass away and sometimes the family don't carry on having horses and like, what are we going to do then? Yeah. Like, we D need David to bring new owners in incentives to do it yeah david johnson exactly you know, terrible, um, terrible graham wiley's alive graham and well and he's out of the sport he's gone yeah yeah it's mad i think I, I, you very see very few stewart horses now as well there are a couple of them but very few yeah certainly not the the strength that the late great andy stewart would have had back in the day it's all very worrying and uh, it, it doesn't exactly inspire a huge amount of confidence you Look, we'll talk more about it on Friday's industry special edition of the Final for a Long podcast. But yeah, it's um, it's worrying times to, to say the least. Uh, Ilé Francais, he's a machine. Hermes Alain, what do you do with him, and what did you make of the run? Because it's not a bad run, and he was very he was super strong in the market. Ilé Francais is in another league to him though. Is he a horse that has a chance of winning at the Cheltenham Festival, or did I get did I get him spectacularly wrong to the point that? I now have to stay with him for Cheltenham and hope that he's as good as I thought going in, or do I just accept, yeah, that's, that's my initial premise about Hermes Elena is actually right. He's going to get blown to pieces by any good grade one horse against him. Um, I, I'll take it. He, um, I, I really liked him, to be honest. I, I didn't think he lost a whole lot. Like, he's got beat by absolute... Good man, George! And my my one him at Newbury was he was always he was a bit too exuberant and a bit too low at his fences and I worried when a horse took him on he was going to hit one halfway up and come down and he got a little low at a couple of those fences at Kempton and you can argue we shouldn't have got away with it but the fences are softer these days it is what it is you get away with a with getting as low as he got a couple of them I was pleased with him I thought as a second run over fences stepping up into a grade one if he hadn't been trying to go with Ilé Francais, take Ilé Francais out of that race and let him ride his own race, he'd have won as far as he wanted. The only reason anything got anywhere near him was because he busted himself trying to go with Ilé Francais. Yeah. Which, he's not turning up to Cheltenham. So it's, it's an irrelevance, really, isn't it? Um, whether he's going to be quite at the level, I don't know what's what's the market looking like for the Brown advisory. Um, well, he's obviously, he's got to beat Grange Fair West, is not he? Which might not be doable, but... And his stable companion, stay away Faye. Yeah, I'd, if I had a choice of owning one of them, I'd have Hermes Len over Stay Away Faye. So would I. And I like Stay Away Faye, but I think Hermes Len has way more scope, and way more potential to, to just do more damage at the top level. I, I can't get away from the fact that Stay Away Faye is a very, very good horse, but Giovinco's beaten an awful long way. He hasn't done anything for the form, and he just is a dour stare, whereas Hermes Len does have a turn of foot. And I think Giovinco could have beat him the last day. If it, if it wasn't for the loose horse and he could have just had one run at him after the last. Stay away phase in a horse in these small field tactical races. You can catch him flat-footed after the last. What you don't want to do is what happened to him where he's he's had to try and get in front of the loose horse to stay out of trouble. And he's got in a battle with stay away phase a long way out. Because you're never going to win that battle. He's got bottomless stamina. But I say in these small field tactical races, you could do him for speed after the last. And Giovinco, I think, was planning on doing that. Unfortunately, had to go to plan B to not get taken out of it by the loose horse. But um, Stairway Fay will be better at Cheltenham, though. Running off a, a, off a decent gallop, he will be better. Mm. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have Hermes Len. I think he's just classier. 
Although he's on his second wind up, isn't he? But is is Stay Away Faye qualified for the National Chase or is he too good because he's a grade one hurdler? Paul Nichols won't go there with him, will he? He's, no, he, he, he no, he won't. It's kind of a it's kind of an academic point to make, but he'd be yeah. a stone cold solid moral in the National Chase. He would murder yeah. him there. And but it's like Paul, it's like an admission that they're not as classy as you thought they were running them in the National Chase nowadays. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, it is. Well, that, that's why that's why Factor File was never going to go for the National Chase because. You're not going novice chasing with him unless you think he's very, very, very good, and it appears he is. But before we get to back to file, we should be talking, Dennis, about this magnificent performance from Gaelic Warrior. How exciting he is! But we can't talk about the race without first of all talking about Mullins Gate. Did we do a graphic? Did we do a special sound effect for it? No. Oh, to be fair, I was drinking all last night, so yeah, probably wasn't actually focused on the production of this show at all. Um, Look, this is, I like Patrick, I like Danny, uh, this wasn't good, but I'm going to take a wild guess here, Dennis, and we haven't talked about this off air. I would imagine at some point in your career, maybe a few times, you would have bollocked an opposing jockey, or an opposing jockey bollocked you. It's just that that kind of stuff would happen in the weighing room, not on the track. Well, you look there and where lies the problem, Emmett, you know, um... But I've heard some strange stuff now being uh, chunked out the last few days about this. And, uh, you know, um, really good, a really good time for both Patrick and Danny, two very good riders. Uh, I've been in that position uh, where the pressure is immense and I would have visualized how my race is going to go. And exactly how it's going to go. And Patrick had it down to a T. And all he said was, everyone knowing, but just reminded Danny, listen, there is going to be a gap because there is no running rail from the turn in in Limerick to the second last. There's going to be a gap. Don't come there. He didn't He didn't say he, because he jumps right. He just said, don't go there. Because, we, you know, he, he should know he jumps right. So... In the se- in one sense, Patrick has been a genius because he's worked out the race and he's essentially telling his stablemate, don't be stupid now and thinking you can go there because I'm going to have you know, I'm going to mow you out of it because I'm on Gaelic Warrior and it's the first time I'm going to leave him two horses off the inside so he will jump a bit right. So don't go there because I'll knock you down. So essentially, that's what he's after doing. I would have done that myself. Like, I would say, like, I, like, don't for a second think, like, you can go there because Gaelic Warrior will mow you down, like, he will mow you down. And usually, when there's an island fence with no inside railing and no outside railing, and you are making the running down the inner the whole way, you always tend to keep one off the ray off the wing anyway, so that you don't give your horse an option, especially if you're making the running an option to run out. So it's vital that you do stay one off the rail. You know, don't go too tight down the inside. So that's essentially what Patrick was doing. Um, if Pat, then he was riding for Gordon Elliott, he wouldn't have opened his mouth to him. But the fact he was riding for Willie Mullins, he was just warning him like. So he was actually doing Danny a favour because he knew the way the race was going to work out. 
And he essentially, he told Danny, there will be a gap there, but like surely you're clever enough to know that you can't go there. On and, and just on leaving the gap, Dennis, on, on, with get, just on leaving the gap in the first place, I'm, I'm imagining one of the reasons he's doing that is because Gaelic Warrior is going to jump out to the right, he doesn't want him collapsing over the rails. He doesn't want to end up on the bonnet of the ambulance. That's why he's leaving the gap. But he also knows that by leaving that gap, when you approach a fence, he makes reference to this in his Racing Post article, Pat Doro trying to go up the the up, up the inside and getting taken out by another horse, that that's what he's trying to avoid. Yeah. There are some people yeah. who were trying to insinuate that he was borderline bringing the game into disrepute. That's not what Patrick Mullins was doing. No, no. And the person no. who wrote that, no, I'm pretty certain, knows that. So I don't know why they would have said that at all. You know that Listen, this horse look, goes right-handed. Uh, this is what he, he just, yeah. he didn't elaborate in it on this properly in the racing TV interview. But Patrick's not a broadcaster. He's a jockey in the heat of the moment. This wasn't how dare Danny Mullins have the sheer gall and the audacity to try and beat me, Patrick, in an odds-on favorite of great one. That's not what it was. It was just, don't go for a gap on a horse that's going to go right-handed. You could kill both of us. Well, look, that's it. And uh, look, there were, both they were both right and they were both wrong so Patrick was right to warn him that this was going to happen and Danny was right to ride his own race even though in my opinion he was wrong to go there mm. because he should have known the brave man or that Gaelic warrior will absolutely mow you out of it. if you're not in front of him going to defence Gaelic warrior is going to take you out of it because he jumps to the right that horse has jumped right all his life. Yeah. So that's the reality there. Uh, the second thing is, then Patrick was wrong. On pulling up, uh, he laid into Danny. And that, yeah, well, look, Patrick will regret that. Yeah. You know, he Patrick will now, will be still sweating about that. He will regret that because he'll know it looked bad. But it's the pressure, the pressure of getting beat on Facile Vega, the pressure of what nearly could have, might have went wrong at the second last, and he just came out in them there and then. And that's pressure. So let's be honest here now. Like, he is an amateur riding these grade one horses, albeit therefore he's fatter. <coughs> the pressure is immense. So you're riding for the, the greatest trainer of all time. And he just so got like, beaten in an odds-on favourite, a long odds-on favourite in a grade one earlier that week. Yeah, I'd say the pressure's higher when it's your father as well, because everyone's looking at you. Uh, way harder. Yeah. yeah, way harder. It's, it's way harder. And you're right, George. And the reality is the two of them were right and the two of them were wrong. Yeah. So Patrick was right. He visionised how the race was going to go. And he just said, listen... I, I'm going to do this. There's going to be no running rail, but I'm not going to go tight down the inner now to the second last in case he runs out. So don't go there. You know why. And Danny's like, sure, yeah, of course. We all know why. Sure, he jumps right. But of course, the gap came and Danny went through. So Danny's saying, I'm road my own race. But like, if he was riding for Gordon Elliott, sure, surely someone would give out to Danny for what are we doing going down? So where were you going in there? Like, you were always going to get knocked down. But at the same time, Danny gave the horse a very good ride to finish second. Yeah. Anyway. So and look. To be fair, Dennis, so, if Danny didn't go for the like I I would agree with you, he shouldn't have gone for that inside rail. But at the same time, I'll contradict myself by saying he absolutely should have. 
Because the stewards could easily have hauled him in and said, there was a gap there, you didn't go for it. I don't care that Gaelic Warrior might jump right-handed. It, you were going it, it well. It wasn't about that. It, no, it, the rule states, if you're going to go up a, through a gap on the inside, you have to be gone through. You can't, you can't go and wait. You have to be gone through. So that's the reality. He wasn't gone through. Yeah. So Gaelic, he couldn't get through with Gaelic Warrior. And the reality is, if, if he had been an inch closer, an inch closer, the same thing would have happened to what happened Keith Donahue uh, above in Leperstown the day before with Rachel Blackmore. So that is what's going through Patrick's head. So that is the reality. That is what happens. So he would have broadsided him. He could have impeded his own fella and could have brought down Danny's lad as well. He could have caused all sorts of... Tr- I understand. I get it. He's not bringing the game into this dispute. Yeah. He's just been ahead of the game. So he's actually been quite clever. So... He was right in what he said, and Danny is okay. Grand, whether he's right or wrong to go there, that's his own judgment. They're two very, 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 very good riders. Yeah. But where the, where Patrick is wrong is he's wrong after the race. Then he then shouldn't have pointed the finger at Danny. It looks bad. It's a great one. It's live on television. He's riding for his father. He's very lucky position. He's in a very lucky position. He's a lucky man. He's a high-class rider, but still, that he shouldn't probably have done that. Now, we've all made mistakes, so it'll oh, yeah. be all soon forgotten next week anyway. But uh, therein lies another issue. When he was interviewed after the race, he explained after the race what he was thinking and what he was doing. And then now that has led to an investigation from the IHRB into team tactics and bringing the game into this dispute. Listen, that needs to be chucked out because he isn't bringing the game into this dispute at all. He is only stating that he had the vision of the race in his head and that is what's happened. Everyone knows Gaelic Warrior jumps to the right and he was only preempting his his stable mate. Listen, there's going to be a gap there because I'm not going to tie down the inner and I'll mow you out of it if you go there because he jumps to the right. If he was riding for any other trainer, Danny Mullins in the race, he wouldn't have opened his mouth because he would have expected them not to go there and if they did go there, he was going to mow them out of it because Gaelic Warrior jumps to the right. Yeah. So the reality is all he was doing was preempting what was happening, what was going to happen and that is huge intelligence. He is not bringing the game into any sort of issue. I could see exactly how it was going to happen and what the position he was in, and that's it. And unless Danny could have got through and in front of Gaelic Warrior, going to the second last, is the only way you can say that he was not going to get in trouble because you have to, if you're passing on the inside, you uh, where a gap is minimal or very small, have to be gone through. Like Bob Ollinger at Cheltenham yesterday, he was gone through. When the gap came, he was gone through. So no one can ever give out to you then. And that is that is the reality of it. And I don't see any problem uh, with the whole riding. And I thought the two horses got great rides in the race. And they're two high-class horses, by the way, mm. uh, Gaelic Warrior and Ella M. Uh, the, the French horse, the grey horse. Yeah, a uh, high-class horse as well and great performance uh, by the two of them. And uh, <clears throat> I think that the whole race shouldn't even be like 
Patrick Mullins will regret what he did after the line and what he said after the race in that he didn't keep it to himself. Yeah. Uh, he still believes uh, when he goes in the and what he did was right in the race and everything, but where he'll feel he let himself down is uh, with the whole pink finger pointing and all the rest of it. But sure, look, that's it. He'll be sweating about that, but he'll forget about it next week, and he'll learn from it too. He's he's still a young fellow, Patrick, and he's oh, the this world, is the world. He's the world's his oyster anyway. So oh, listen, okay. he is he's Willie Mullins two point and he is going to be the person who takes over from Willie decades from now when Willie decides he's had enough and he wants to sit well, on the look, beach in Barbados. Look, what about but, look, he's a he's an incredible yeah. horseman. He's an incredible talent. He's going to he cringe. Is, he He's is. going to cringe looking back on this. Uh, I think the Racing Post changed the headline. I could be wrong about this because when I was reading it, I would have been on my fifth hot whiskey at the Castle Cumber Willie race at, um, at 8 p.m. last night. Uh, but I'm sure the headline initially was, I've been told it came across as arrogant and self-entitled. Well, so be it if it does. And then they've changed that to, I overreacted, but I was angry. My take on the Gaelic Warrior controversy. Now, I, I don't know. I could be wrong about that, but he did write that in the article. I guess he has to back up what he did uh, as opposed to just hold his hands up and say, uh, not my finest moment. We'll move on. No, he's listen, he's, he's backing up. He's backing up what he did in that he told Danny right. not to. That's what he's backing up. Yeah. Because he feels he's right there. He's which, like, I don't have to explain to anyone. Which, listen, I, I, I would agree with listen, him, by the way. I, I think yeah, he is right. right. While, exactly. also, while also he's being a, double exactly. standard and saying Danny was absolutely right to go for it. I thought, yeah, the, Ru- two, the two of them are right, but he just, listen, it's, that's it. That's race riding. That's what we yeah. do, and it's, no one, it's none of anyone else's business. They're both out to win. So that's all that matters. Just they're, from, they're both out to win. Just to bring in you, you know. George, and just very briefly on this, in your riding days... Were you ever intimidated by a senior rider? Because I'd be amazed if you weren't at some point. We're all adults. We can understand what goes on in the racing world. But more importantly, did you ever do anything on the track or did one of your colleagues ever do anything on the track that results... <laughs> He's already smiling. <laughs> if you're listening to this on the podcast, check out the YouTube clip later because before I've even asked the question, George has got a big grin on his face. <laughs> Have you ever seen an incident... Where a colleague of yours was grabbed by the neck and thrown against the wall in the weighing room. Don't you do that again, but behind closed doors. It's actually funny enough, this afternoon when I heard Dennis was going to be on the podcast, I was trying to think, have we ever ridden against each other? I was looking through a couple of old races. So I was trying to think anywhere a bit further, not, like not north, but like Midlands sort of way where he was riding. And I watched the race back from Toaster that was by far from my. Dennis wasn't in the race before he said, this isn't anything. But um, I remember it was Tom, Tom Bellamy was practically on the rail in front of me, like half a horse width off the rail. My thing had been off the bridle nearly all of the two and a half miles. And it just starts staying on up the hill like a steam train. I went, if I go round Bells here, I've got to go four wide. I could just nip down a gap about this big. <laughs> I went through it. I remember Belsey's stirrup catching on my knee so I went round his inside I nearly lifted him out the saddle I've nearly bust the rail out the way on the way through I heard him screaming at me on the way past he was quite right like, he absolutely tore into me when we came back in <laughs> I've been under the pump the whole way 16 runners I finished third so I come back in I thought like, yeah sorry Belzy but I didn't finish third <laughs> you, you were going nowhere like and you weren't getting out my way <laughs> Oh, but, um, yeah. but not not there, something there, that there the Sky Sports been... racing cameras were picking up. This was all handled behind closed doors. 
Oh, yeah, no, that was all close up. Getting to the more yeah. important aspect of it, though, Gaelic Warrior has won, and won very impressively. Um, just very briefly on him, Dennis, we've got the prospect of this horse lining up in the King George this year, now later this year, taking on Ile Francais. I feel really bad for Shishkin because that was really his chance to win the King George. I don't know how he's going to beat at the age of 10, Ile Francais and Gaelic Warrior, but we, we shall see. Maybe he'll win the Gold Cup in the meantime. Who knows? Um, but the way I view Gaelic Warrior is he's an exceptional horse going right-handed, a very good one going left-handed. And that, for me anyway, his price for the Turners makes absolutely no appeal whatsoever because something like Fact File, his stable companion, won't be jumping out to the right. And I think it's going to cost him at Cheltenham. Yeah, well, Fact File now, for me, is up there in my the top two most impressive performers at Christmas, uh, I have to say. Uh, he is uh, Gold Cup written all over him next year. Maybe Willie's next year's Gold Cup winner. But yeah, he, high-class performance, top-class racehorse. So he might even be better than Gaelic Warrior, to be honest. Um, I don't know if that's the route they'll go, but uh, who knows? It's only he's he's very inexperienced, you know, to come from his bumper straight and obviously chasing is, is a big ask, you know, but gosh, he was ultra-impressive at Leperstown. Foot perfect. I'd say he's a serious animal. Um, Gaelic Warrior was so impressive. And I mean, how he got beat is very simple in the Fred Winter that year is because he jumped out to the right. And... Uh, uh, and the year Aramax beat him. So, you know, look, he's going to run in Cheltenham because it's Cheltenham. But, uh, you know, he has the disadvantage of jumping to the right. Is he going to be way better than the opposition? Tis a fair chance he is. So, like, uh, he is definitely a King George horse in the future. Probably a Gold Cup horse in time. You know, he's he's got, he's got all them... Got all them to come, so he's going to have to run in Cheltenham, and uh, he will go off favourite, I'd say, as we get closer to the meeting. But um, I wouldn't mind being on him. Yeah, I wouldn't mind being on him. And I mean, Mark Walsh, Willie will have to run too because you know Townend is not going to be able to ride fact the file. Yeah, so he'll have to ride Gaelic Barrier, you know. So that's that's the reality, and uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be an exciting race now. He will. Oh, he'll definitely jump to the right again around Cheltenham. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt he'll definitely like, even if he jumps straight for most of the race he'll jump the second third last second last and the last out to the right like. so uh, you know that's that's that that could be his undoing but he's a high high class horse absolute serious weapon now yeah, it, and uh, the way he jumps is is, is fantastic yeah. uh, he's a, an absolute <laughs> machine of a racehorse but I, I can't help but think of the fact that he was beaten off a very low rating George in the Fred Winter by an inferior horse in Brazil for all that Katie's unwell at the moment. Get well soon, Katie. So we can we can we can talk some shit about one of Porrick's horses. Yeah, that Brazil. He's a he's a has been. No, Brazil's a very good horse, but he's not on Gaelic Warriors level. Uh, in Imperi Pass, very talented horse. Gaelic Warrior, arguably as good as him, if not better. And Imperi Pass dis- dismissed him in last year's Ballymore. We can say last year now that we're into twenty twenty four. Um, so once he's going left handed, he's vulnerable. Going right handed. Different story entirely, though, George. Well, it's, it's borne out very easily in, in his statistics, including in three runs in France at Otoy. He's run 11 times. He's won six races. Five of those six races have been right-handed. The one time he's the only time he's won left-handed was that the Liffey handicap. handicap in the DRF. One, four, three, was he off? 
a ridiculously low rating yeah. now to look at him. All of his defeats have been left-handed. Every single one. Three at Otoy, two at Cheltenham. It, sa- it says its own thing, doesn't it? And it's just, it made him opposable to me last year at Cheltenham. And actually, I was shocked by how well he managed to run in spite of it. He's a very tanded horse, but he's just giving too much away when he goes left-handed. The only thing, I wouldn't be necessarily 100% sure that he's definitely going to go Turner's. Because I could see Fassal, if it wasn't for this sort of Fassal Vega perfect child sort of thing that that Willie seems to have, where he, he seems like he's got a, a right to wrong with Marie Nationale. I think if it was any other horse, he'd be, step, he'd be stepping him up and avoiding Marie Nationale, which then sort of goes, if you were going, well, Fassal Vega is actually a point shorter for the Turners than he is for the Arkle. Yeah. Which then makes you, who's his Arkle horse? But then... Going even faster is surely going to make him jump even further to his right. He's Oracle Horse, Destiny? Yeah, Blood Destiny, yeah. I remember you, Dennis was on the show very early last year talking about the, was it the juvenile hurdle down in Cork? And you were talking about taking on Blood Destiny and how you looked up, he's there in front of you. You look down, you're riding, jump a hurdle, you look up, he's gone. I'll never forget the way you described that. It was just this relentless gallop of this turn of foot that the horse has as well. He's uh, I, I he's a proper the beast. About twenty seconds after that race finished, I was so impressed with him. Like he was absolute magic. Yeah, and I think I actually, the, in the triumph itself, I think he just sat too close to a quite a hot pace. He looked quite revved up before. You know, Lossy Mouse come is the only horse that's come from anywhere near the pace, and she was halfway back. Like is. I think is it, it seems like he's on a retrieval mission. Like it's a huge price for the Arkle, but he's a immensely talented horse. He's done very little wrong. Like I really can't see why it's as big a price as he is. I could see Factor File dropping back as well. I could see him go back yeah. for the Arkle maybe. Really? So, I mean, if if he find a proper yeah. Arkle horse amongst those, I I could see Fasal Vega stepping up into the Turners. I, I agree I with think, you. I think he should. I think yeah. he should. But it's just you, yeah. a thing that I feel like he might. I almost feel Willie's got this thing that he wants to take on Marie Nationale with him again. But then, oh, I, I think that's changed now. I, I have a funny uh, feeling that's now changed and they're going to go Turners with him now. Because otherwise, he's just going to have too many going for the Arkle. Like, Ilete Tomps, to me, probably is going to be better at two than two and a half. Fasol well, Vega. If Ilete Tomps had been in the race that we had we fancied him for, the racing post novice chase, and this is definitely me talking through my pocket, but I like Founder 50, I backed him. I think Elise Tom would have beaten them. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like him. And actually, at 10 to 1 for the Arkle, you could probably do a lot worse right now. Like, yeah, not but to win. Mar- well, Marine Nationale would have beaten them as well later. Yeah. 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 On him, Dennis, how impressed were you with Barry Connell's superstar? Ah, he's super impressive. Super impressive now. He was actually, I think the time of that beginners was quicker than found a 50s race as well, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, that beginner's chase I thought he was very good jumped jumping was unbelievable unbelievable safe you know doesn't take any chances real nimble uh, exactly what he said you know the only thing is you just prefer if there was less chat about like that he's going to rock up and win Do you know like you just it's an article at the end of the day and it's it's harder any race you know if, if it was that easy do you know but it's very difficult and everything would need to go right on the day and uh Super, super jumper. 
I was very impressed with him now. He was keen and he was fresh, but he was he was magnificent to watch. So, you know, he's he's the horse to beat. He's yeah. the one to beat. And he is now best price, uh, 11 to 10 on, but it is good that all the talk that Barry Connell was saying beforehand, including on the Final Furlong podcast, is absolutely real. Uh, he's an exceptional jumper of offense and super exciting going for the Irish Arkle. And of course, the Arkle itself. Can Willie unearth something? Mr. Policeman's going to be out this weekend in a novice chase he's done well in, in the past with potential Arkle contenders. He's going to have to improve an awful lot, though. Um, Blood Destiny, didn't expect you to say fact to file, drop him back in trip. I, I'd imagine it's going to be oh, Turner's yeah. for fact to file. He's very good. Uh, how good was Grange Clare West, though, Dennis O'Regan? I thought he was good. Underwhelmed? I thought he was good. Not, not buying the hype? No. Any particular reason uh, why? Do you think a couple of horses underperformed no. in behind? Possibly. Um, and he jumped, he jumped, he jumped and won in the race. Uh, just, I don't know, he's hot and cold. Yeah, well, he certainly was as, as a novice hurdler. Um, this is the first time he's actually managed to scramble two runs back to back, George, and be able to go and do it. Uh, to be fair, Katie was all about Grange Clare West. She tried to get me to back him, but no, of course I had to be sticking to Favre de Chambeau, who I wouldn't give up on for the National Hunt Chase, but this was a, a really good performance from Grange Clare West. It's just a, as Dennis is quite underwhelmed by it, for a six-length grade one win, in the Neville Hotel's Novice Chase. Hello, Carl. Hello, Trace. Um, hope you had a great day. There is the, the point to be made that, yeah, this is a grade one because it's his second start of offences, but Factor Files race is basically a grade one as well. It's just not a grade one in name. Um, but it, it is, a, to my eyes, very, very likable performance from Grange Clare West. But would you be similarly underwhelmed with a view to the Cheltenham Festival with him? No, I, I'm a big fan of Grange Clare West. And the sort of view I've taken with him this season as to why, well, what I, I said on here before when he won it on his chase debut, why I think he's actually going to be able to sort of maintain his form now is he's well, he's just turned eight yesterday now and like he's a he's by presenting he he could just as well have been a big empty horse before who's just maybe struggled between his races do you know what i mean and he i think he might he looks like he's strengthened up now like he's filled out a little bit strengthened up i think he might be able to find a bit of consistency now in his racing and so have I really like him. Like he stays, but he's clearly got high cruising speed. He jumps brilliantly, and if you actually look down the betting for the Brown Advisory, it's not the best race. Like we got, there's a lot of horses that look at home in the National Hunt Chase in there, like Stay Away Faye, like Corbett's Cross, like Broadway Boy, even Monty Star, like probably going to want further than that in time. Um. If Hermes Len went there, he might be his biggest danger, to be honest. But, yeah, um, I, I fancy Corbett's class now. Yeah, turn I, it around? I think so. He's just never caught my imagination, Corbett's class. I couldn't tell you why. It's not really based on anything. If if anything, it's probably... He, he left a bad taste in the mouth when he ran out at Cheltenham, but he was he did, looking but, at the wing. But he won a beginner's chase in Fairy House. Before Christmas, and it was a it was a grade one, just not in name. It was yeah. absolutely he beat three car brag and Monty Star. Monty Star, bowl I'd say is a really good horse. Of Henry yeah. de Brom has bolted up and punched on the other day. That that Cross is it's 
as a series horse and Nick Rockett, yeah. I I'd, I think uh, and good ground, nice ground. Uh, I could see, I could Corbett's Cross. I think he'd be he'd be he'd be a nice one for Cheltenham. I know you're under pressure for time, Dennis. So if there was one horse yes. that you could take from Christmas going forward, who would it be? Back to five. Love that. That's music to my ears. Uh, Dennis, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks' time on the Final Four Thanks, podcast. Guys. Really appreciate it. Happy New Year to you, my friend. I uh, hope the back Thank heals up soon. Much. Yeah. Thank you very much, Emma. Thanks, George. And Happy New Year, guys. Stay safe, happy my friend. Happy New Year. See you later. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Might be seeing Dennis at the opening of the new weighing room in Goran Park. Uh, early next week we shall see a little bit more on that to come on the Final Forum podcast later uh, just as we come towards the end of the show a couple of races I want to fly through with you um, State Man Constitution Hill so look Constitution Hill is just going to win the champion hurdle he's an incredible racehorse uh, we've seen some brilliant champion hurdlers over the years Faheen Istabrak Hurricane Fly you can mention your own personal favourites all day long but this fella is right up there I do find it a bit of copium that Stateman might be able to turn it around with him. I don't see how he can, George, personally. And I'd say nah. there's a slight element of just a little bit of disappointment. It sounds like a really weird thing to say for Willie, having had the 1-2 in the grade 1 and winning a 7th grade 1 with Stateman. But if Imperi Pass had won, there'd be the semblance of hope that this is the horse that can now really challenge Constitution Hill. Because if he can beat Stateman, maybe he can improve enough to beat Constitution Hill. As it is, he can't beat Stateman. Stateman can't beat Constitution Hill. So this is absolutely Monday morning quarterbacking with the benefit of hindsight, pure Captain Hindsight, Professor Hindsight mentality. But God, if they'd gone chasing with him, he'd probably be a major contender to Marine National for the Oracle. And now they've got to stay in open company over hurdles for this season anyway. And they'll do well. Unless Constitution Hill skips entry, which he probably will, he's still going to have to face Irish Point in the entry hurdle. It's not going to be easy for him, Perry Pass, now. Um, no, no, he's... Yeah, they probably are wishing they'd gone chasing with him right now, aren't they? Um, yeah, the only thing I'd say, obviously, Constitution Hill is Constitution Hill. There's not much you can say about that. He's fantastic. If you were really digging, really digging to find how you get him beat, State Man improved massively off his first two runs into his third and fourth runs last year. Sorry, certainly into yeah into his third and fourth runs. He got an RPR of one five nine and one six four on his first two starts. He improved to one six seven for the next two. This season, he started off his first two runs recording one six six and one six six. So if you could take another step forward, he might get closer to Constitution Hill but we're still going to need we're going to need Constitution Hill to rip a vital hurdle out the ground aren't we? Yeah. And he's not looked like do it yet. I think I think that's the territory we're in now I think State Man's improved to a point where if Constitution Hill makes a bad mistake at one of the last two hurdles he might be able to make it close but that's you know that that's what we're talking really we're, we're not talking that he can beat him off merit He's going to need to underperform or he's going to need to do something very wrong late in the race to get beaten. If you were to go just solely on the Racing Post ratings, which I, I find really useful, you could say Stateman's got an RPR of 170 for the Matheson. Constitution Hill's got an RPR of 163 for the Christmas Hurdle at Kempton. Maybe Stateman yeah. is improving. I, I think he's improved. He's improved this season from last season. I definitely say certainly... 
in terms of his reappearance was better than last season's reappearance. I don't know if it was better than his champion hurdle run, but it was better than his reappearance last year, which hopefully means a similar level of improvement to come with each run would be what I would be clutching on to. The point that be the most Dennis makes the point that Dennis makes about the ground on trials day is a really good one because most people are just assuming constitutional turns up. Oh, Nicky wanted the two mile hurdle. He wanted the contenders hurdle send down that stupid race, um, so that he could prep Constitution Hill. If it's bad ground, there's no way he's turning up for that race. And I don't think they'd have any issue going straight to Cheltenham. They did it last year. He doesn't really need to have another run. And it is Nicky. If it is like very soft ground on trials day at Cheltenham, there's not a hope in hell of him turning up. No, no, I I don't think he'll run again. I don't think it matters what the ground's going to be. He's not going to run him again between now and then. Um, and yeah, he, he might even think twice about running him at entry because he nearly got him beat there, didn't he? It's, yeah, it's going to be very boring stuff, isn't it? I suspect it he's going to come to um, Punchestown unless yeah, we're not going to see him very. In in fact, if if for some reason if Stateman did beat him, I'd be pretty oh. adamant he will come to Punchestown because Nicky would want to write that wrong. But e- either way, I'd say he'll come to Punchestown. Because the only time he's ever looked like he was in trouble was the entry hurdle. So just don't send him back there. He's an out-and-out speedball, two-miler. Keep him to that distance. On the entry hurdle, they're talking about that for Irish Point, but now Bob Ollinger has proved Bob is back with a fantastic performance in the Relkeel hurdle on New Year's Day. Uh, Again, only got to see that today, but man, that was fantastic and a brilliant ride from Rachel Blackmore as well. He's surely going to take in the Irish champion hurdle and the champion hurdle in the meantime. But what does that mean for Irish Point? Does this idea of just leaving the stairs hurdle for Tihupu go out the window and do you let the two of them go or do you keep him for an entry hurdle? What would you do? It's the definition of first world problems, isn't it? They've got too many horses for the Gold Cup, Gold Cup and too many horses for the stairs hurdle. Which, which one of my good horses am I going to run to win this race? I, I, whatever am I to do? I think in an ideal world, I would... In an ideal world, it chucks it down with rain. Tiupu runs in the champion hurdle <laughs> on, no, on bottomless ground. Not, not my anti-post bets. I've lost enough money. Please don't. don't do. It's bloody Tesco noodles for the next week. Jeez. If, if Constitution Hill wasn't around, that's what we'd be looking at. We'd be looking at Tiupu in the champion hurdle, Irish Point in the stairs. And then probably no, 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 you wouldn't be. They ran Tiapu in a champion hurdle as a five-year-old. He got lapped in it. They're not going back there. They're going for a stairs hurdle with him. Okay. And I'm pretty adamant that the fact that Gordon has decided... This is what I'm going... saying in an ideal world with a below-par champion hurdle. Oh, fair enough. Okay, hypothetical. So that's all right. I just I had to correct it. It was like, how dare you? Somebody expressing a different opinion to me? How dare you, sir? <laughs> Which of the two would you prefer for Rob Gore? Do you think Irish Point is a better chance in the stairs than Tihupu? Yes. Damn, yeah, that's a crushing a blow from a bit. By the way, I don't think there's any issue about stamina. I know they've gone a crawl. Well, they really have. They've walked around no, I... early on. But it's still a three-mile race on soft ground, and he's running right to the line the whole way through. I, I think he's been crying out for three miles, and if all three of them ran, if him, Bob Ollinger, and Tihupu went there, I'd, be, I'd want to be on Irish Point. He's a young horse. He's improving. Tiupu, you could argue, he was unlucky, but he had a chance to win a fairly ordinary stayers last year. And he got beaten by a horse who we know isn't the most resolute, even if he turned up that day. He he wasn't that far in front of Dashiell Drasher, which really, I don't know. If if it came up 
if it came up soft, they'd give each other a good race. But if it's good to soft, good, like it normally is at Cheltenham, Irish point, lacking. Can Bob Ollinger beat Stateman in the Irish champion hurdle? No. Definitive. I like that. Can Sir Gerrard win the stairs hurdle for Team Mullins in Chivley Park? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. He, um, he, he did everything that was asked of him, didn't he? I wasn't sure quite how he'd sort of clear away into the straight. If I'm honest, I, I backed him to win by three lengths and um, that was coachman three. There's two and three quarter lengths. So I was a bit cut. He didn't go away further. But yeah, look, he's, that would be a nice confidence builder for him. He's had a terrible time over fences. Like For him to come back to hurdles and do that immediately, like it didn't take him a couple of runs to get his confidence back. Or maybe it has. And he's that good that he's done that despite, you know, not being 100% sure. He, he's got something to prove still, like to go up, to step up to that level. Like Devil's Coachman's won a Boyne hurdle. Like he's not stairs hurdle level stuff. But he'd go there with a chance for sure in the stairs. Um, yeah, 100%. I had such a smile on my face seeing this fellow win. It's just, he's such a classy horse. And I, I genuinely thought he was going to be champion hurdle class at one point. They decided to go novice chasing um, just to get him back. And Punchestown is not a track he's liked before. He's ran there three times previously, beaten all three, his first win in four. And look, it's not a graded race, but it's a good race on paper. Ashdale Bob shaped well. Devil's Coachman back over hurdles. These are good horses. And he's won pretty easily. Stamina won't be an issue. And he settles much better now as well. So future's bright for Sir Gerard. Whether or not he can win the stairs, uh, I don't know. Um, look, we saw a whole host of novice hurdlers over Christmas. Which was the one that really stood out to you? Um, the boring one would be, say, Ballyburn. Ballyburn was magic. He's going to he? win the Ballymore, isn't he? <laughs> um, I'm still not... If it, I think it depends on the ground. If it comes up soft, I think it'd be very difficult to beat. If it comes up on the better side, I think he might still struggle with Firefox. Ooh. Firefox is a very good horse. Like he's a very, very good horse. And I, he's beaten once. He did have the benefit of a run over Ballyburn that day. And from, from what I saw in the paddock, Ballyburn's a big old-fashioned type. He probably does take a run to get fit. Yeah, you were there, of I'd course. Say, I, I don't think we should... Get, yeah, exactly. Um. I don't think we should forget about the horse that beat him. Like they, they pulled well clear of the third. Ballyburn wasn't stopping. I wouldn't say he, like he took a. It's not like he blew up. He, he at least half ran his race. You know, um, I'd certainly. <laughs> he might even be the sort of horse that Willie a dropping trip. Ballyburn. Like we've seen it before. We all thought appreciate it was a three miler in the making, and he went and won the supreme. Like I think this is a similar type. Champagne Fever would be another example. Be. He was being well back for the potato race and they switched him into the Supreme at the last second. But we, we say it's a bit of a cliche at this point. You hear however many jockeys say you have to stay to win a Supreme. And if it doesn't look the hottest race on paper, I could see Willie Mullins sending him for this. He's got plenty of ovens to go for the Ballymore with. Um, it, it, it wouldn't shock me, especially if he thought Firefox was worth dodging. The only thing about that is where are these horses and when are they going to run? So it's for me it's probably the right thing not to go for the future champions novice hurdle because Daddy Longlegs, I like Daddy Longlegs. I think he's a very, very talented horse. Uh, didn't like the profile going into that race on really heavy ground. I thought Codwell Potter bringing the it's for me form just suit. Oh, I got two things right over Christmas. Hey, fantastic. Probably just follow Gordon Elliott blind. Um, 
I don't know how a, a horse who was pulled up in a grade one is transformed to go and win a championship race at Cheltenham, championship novice event at Cheltenham. Maybe he can be. Um, I really like it's for me. And Caudwell Potter has boosted that form significantly as well. So I think he's a serious player for the Supreme. But we need to see where he goes next. Moscow Flower Novice Hurdle, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, Predators Gold ran well the other day, but didn't exactly enhance his credentials massively for Grade 1 glory. I wouldn't be putting anybody off. Farron Glory was unbelievably unlucky. The old Tallworth Grade 1. Like, he's going to win that race until he tumbles. But where are the other William Mullins horses? For it? We're not seeing them yet. Uh, no, look, he does pull rabbits out of the hat all the time, but I, I just wonder, Mizor West did an awful lot wrong the other day. Il Atlantique is going to go for the Grade 1 Novice Hurdle, the Lawlers of Nace Grade 1 at the weekend. Uh, Chapeau de Soleil looked very good on his hurdle debut. He's going to be in that race as well by the looks of things. So Ballymore contenders could emerge over the next couple of weeks. I wasn't thinking Supreme with Ballyburn. I was thinking very much Ballymore. And now that you say it, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. It's, it's not conventional lo- logic, but it's Willie Mullins' logic for sure. It, it, and like, you know, his logic's better than ours. Um, oh, should be pointed out. Just that a tad. The, 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 yeah. The, the Supreme picture could very much change very um, quite quickly. So uh, Brian Gleason's been quoted as saying, the dream to share is fine and runs this month. So if he can jump very much. Well, is it 16 of the 21 runners from the champion bumper um, last year have already won over hurdles this year? Yeah. It's looking like serious form now, isn't it? Like That's it's, unreal. Um, he could be scary if he can jump, which I can't see why he won't. He, he, he looked actually won them in that bumper to me of like, some of them you look at and go, oh, this is his year. He looked to me like he'd improved for a hurdle massively. But he looked like he already needed a hurdle, if anything. Yeah. He's like, um, not conventionally national hunt bred, but then again, neither is Marie National, and he's jumping fences absolutely fine. And um, hurdles yeah. weren't a, an obstacle to him. So I can't imagine, is it Muthmere he's by? Can't imagine that's going to be too much of an yeah. issue for a dream to share. Uh, in his same ownership colours was Jericho Derapane. We were all scoffing and laughing about what bookmaker was going three to one for the Supreme about this fella and what clown would be backing him. He looks good. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. He he um he's done it two different ways now as well. He's kicked on a long way out, and the, the first day, this day, he sort of waited until after last, and just sort of done them for speed. It's hard to know what he's beating, isn't it? I, th- I, I said the last day I wasn't very impressed with what he w- what he beat the first day. At least this this time there's a bit more substance to the form, but sort of goes back to what, what you've said. You think he's going to, there's horses he's taking on from Ireland. have been taking on graded horses all year. They, they can be just that bit more streetwise when they get to the festival. And I, Jericho de Repine might well be better than them going forwards, jumping fences. Maybe it's an Arco horse, a champion chase horse. Is he going to have like the sort of street smarts when it comes around to the, to the Supreme? Yeah. It's, it's hard to back horse like that. It's, one sort of novice hurdles against something that's been like through the mill in grade ones over in Ireland against proper horses. Um, but then sometimes they're just so good it doesn't matter. And maybe he falls into that category. Well, King of Kingsfield has boosted Farron Glory's form as well. I know it's a maiden hurdle, but still it's a maiden hurdle where he's beating a very highly regarded Willie Mullins horse that was already being backed for some of the championship races. Willie was even saying on Racing TV afterwards that he still regards Missouri West as one of his best novice hurdlers. They just need him to not do 
Um, oh God, my brain has gone completely blank. Uh, Fernie Hollow, hey, it came back. He, they need entered him. in the championship race today. Yeah, did you see <laughs> somebody on the tweet machine did the the Ian Wright gif of him, him <laughs> seeing the old teacher that he thought was dead? It's like, yeah, yeah. Ernie Hollow's got a championship entry. Uh, yeah. Was it the day he beat Rivier de Tell in a novice chase the last day we saw him, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. About 800 days ago, something like that. Super talented horse if they can keep him sound. Uh, but clearly, Mizor West, very talented horse as well, but has all of those bad characteristics that his, his brother has. Uh, if they can iron those out, and that's not an easy thing to do, but if they can iron them out, he'll be serious. But Far and Glory is 16 to 1. Jericho de Rapine is fives. I haven't had a bet on the Supreme yet. If you're right, the bet's Ballyburn. If if you are right. He looks an absolute machine. Um, if they decide to go down this route, that would be intriguing to me. It's not like Willie Mullins hasn't had multiple runners in the Supreme in the past, by the way. Same last year. Yeah. Um, right now, my thinking would be, it's for me, Supreme, Ballymore for Ballyburn. And I would fancy both of them. But I haven't had a bet on either as of yet. I was kind of kicking myself that I hadn't backed Ballyburn for Cheltenham. Um, one horse that is also still quite a big price of the Novice Hurdlers that I have backed. Um... And this is for this is I'm actually taking on uh, Katie Young. So Katie made a, a very compelling argument for uh, bring on the night in the mayor's novice hurdle, um, who was really really good the other day for uh, the Gavin Cromwell team. Um, at the I haven't backed her, but at the time I was thinking, yeah, that makes absolute sense. This horse is coming along really really nicely. Uh, and then Willie Mullins. Say the horse. Yeah, yeah, and then Willie Mullins unleashes uh, potentially an absolute superstar in Jade DeGruji. Uh Now we don't want to don't want to hype up too much, but and we didn't talk about this beforehand, but you're already giving the round of applause. Um, I don't think dropping back to two miles is going to be any issue for this horse. She's won over two mile four on what time form call heavy, but she has murdered Butcher Hollow, a bumper winner who was second on his hurdling debut to a horse who's entered for a Grade One. I'm sure that horse is going to do pretty well. He was, he was bought by Brian Cooper, sourced and bought by him. Um, she's dismissed him like he's nothing. That's a massive performance from her. And I'd say she's his number one for the Mayor's no- for the Jack DeBromhead Mayor's Novice Hurdle. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, she's been entered up a few times because I this was probably, I don't know if it was November or December, I was looking through Willie Mullins' entries and I spotted a DeGruji. And I was like, right, okay, let's see, what's this then? It's out of a unraced half sister to Sada Gruji. Um, can't remember what she's by. Um, Doctor Dino. Anyway, that's it, Doctor Dino. I knew it was a good one. Um, and I've been keeping an eye on her since, and he's really picked his race with her. Like, I think he just the fact he must think she's half decent. He's been very careful where he where he ran her, and he's ended up running her at the Leopardstown Christmas meeting. Suggests he thinks she's quite good. The other reason I kept an eye on her is anything that's vaguely related to Sarah Gruji, we tend to get first refusal on. When this horse won its AQPS, Willie Mullins must have been on the phone straight away because it was never offered to us. Ooh. Which makes me think it must he must have been in there like a shot to get hold of this. Um, and I've I think it was very likable performance. Obviously, first time I've actually seen her. I've been following her name on paper for a couple of months. First time I've actually seen her, and there's a lot to like. 
like I said, dropped back to two miles, being by Dr. Dino and from the family of a champion chase winner, you would think wouldn't be an issue. Um, we said that we only had one other horse that was um, brother to Saadi Guruji and he was, um, yeah, well, you've never heard of him anyway, <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> and, and that's the end of that chapter. Um, yeah, yeah Kenny Alexander had great success last year with uh, Gala Marceau for Willie Mullins, and obviously he's trying to find and source the next honeysuckle, which you could spend a lifetime trying to find another one uh, as good as her. And I'm not for a second suggesting that she can be honeysuckle 2.0, but she could be Gala Marceau 2.0 and win plenty of graded races for Kenny Alexander. And I think right now she's 14 to 1 for the Jack de Bromhead Mare's Novice Hurdle, and I've backed her. And she, she's so literally in my bet slip right now. I'm, I'm, I had it on there as we were going through the race. And I was going, I better make sure we talk about her. And she that's the reason I managed to find it so quickly. She's got the little blue tick next to her name in my best slip. Nice. I'm like that dude in the meme who's just like loving it. Yeah. Yes, let's go. Oh, yeah, it's all coming together. Oh, <laughs> love it when a plan comes together. Uh, yeah, very excited about Jade DeGruji. And she's, sorry, Katie, taking you on. Um, she's my my. She would be the one horse that I would take out of Cheltenham, take out of Christmas, I should say, if I can use my mouth words correctly, uh, and back for Cheltenham. There are another two who intrigue me. Uh, the problem is I think one of them is just a little bit too short and the other is a complete guess. But isn't everything I say a total guess? Uh, I really like bunting. Um, she went down to Limerick, ran, bolted up in a juvenile hurdle down there. I know everyone was talking about Sergino and Kempton. Bunting looks the real deal. Um, carries Tony Bloom silks extremely well backed like twos on opened up seven to four on quickly cut to twos on wasn't too long before she was threes on and she's one and a hack canter and I was going to be all very bullish about how I've found the triumph hurdle winner George it's game over and then I was looking at the racing at Ferry House or was it Punchestown it was Punchestown and there was a, a juvenile hurdler making her debut for the Willie Mullins yard, Stormheart. And I thought, yeah, you know, it's a weak enough race. Probably going to be another Willie's French bread one. She's absolutely destroyed them. And a horse makes a mistake down the back, and she ends up going into the back of her. She loses a fair bit of momentum, loses her position. Paul never panics. There's a moment where he gives her a shake of the reins, and you're thinking, ooh, this odds on favorites in trouble. And as soon as that thought entered my head, she was gone. Huge. It's a weak race. Very impressive, though. And a Gigginstown owned juvenile. Going back to the old Tiger Roll connections here. Um, I, I can't decide which of those two is the best one. And I believe Willie still holds Ethical Diamond in very high regard as well. So no bet on the Triumph Hurdle for me yet. But both of them would be very, very high on my list. What did you make of the juvenile hurdlers over Christmas? And did anything appeal to you for the Triumph Hurdle? Well, I'll just make it a bit harder for you now. I, I want to chuck in Carla Conti. Like, I... How did I even leave I her out? Very, it's a very good shout. Yeah. I I was very quick to forgive her when she got beat at Fairy House. Because it was it was that meeting again that, that I went to. The ground was so bad. Like we've said it before, nothing on the front end managed to run any good. And she made all the running, got beat half a length, and she took a good bump off the winner on his way by as well. I was I was all over her the other day because I did anything that made the running that over those two days at Fairy House and finished anywhere near has to be forgiven. Like, and um, she's dismissed the same horse by three quarters of a length to beat her half a length the last day. 
she, she's going to be too probably going to be too high in the weights now to um, to run in the Fred Winter. She, I just think she's a cracking horse. She's going to be a bit more street smart than some of these going into it as well that have gone and won races by twenty lengths. She's she's already got three hurdles runs under her belt, a you know, wide margin win, an arrow defeat, and um, yeah, that win the other day. I I really fancy her, but potentially on the day. She'd be a, she'd be a price, do you know what I mean? She's not quite as sexy as some of the others. Um, she probably won't even be her own stable's first string, to be honest. On the day, I'd I'd fancy her. Yeah. Um, what did she make yeah. of the run from Mighty Bandit? Mighty Bandit. Um, yeah. Is it is that uh, as good as he is, or did he just blow out? But the vet said he had nasal discharge afterwards, so I don't know if they've had him scoped since. Um, yeah, I think we, we'll wait and see what Gordon actually has to say about that because the, the vet, the fact nasal discharge rather than bleeding suggests that she was probably sick. He he was probably sick. And what about but, Gary um, Source Salver? Thank you. That was the very next one I want to bring up. Um, Fred Winter got to be, got to be, hasn't it? Um, he got his mark through today. What is it? One two eight. Yeah. For a Grade Two winner. And like you say, Nassalam carried 140 in that. Nassalam got beat in the finale. Like we've we've had a runner in the finale just about every year for 10 years. The only horse that ever won it for us was Porticello. Um, and most of them ended up in the Fred Winter afterwards. 128 for this horse. I think it's a bit of an insult, to be honest. Mm. Like for what he did. Like he's jumped. You know, Keelan said to me that night, he said, if I'd given him a kick in the belly, I could have won by 40 lengths. He's generally, he was. he was like raving about him afterwards, probably more than he was about Naslam, to be honest. He's one of the easiest winners he's ever ridden. And my my watching of it was the way he jumped the last three hurdles was like he'd been just dropped in. For a juvenile to ping the last three hurdles of any race in heavy ground the way he did, he must have some engine. And he's very well related, being brother to Saudi A. I don't think he's quite getting the credit he deserves. Maybe he's going to want soft ground be the only thing I'd say but mm. when the prices come out for the Fred Winter I'd be very interested to see what he is oh they're out one oh, I haven't got my sky bet anyway what price is he so uh, there are three firms who have priced it up in fact there's four but one of them have decided not to price up your horse Salver for whatever no. reason <laughs> um, Unibet give us a call we'll sort that out for you uh, Bet365 and William Hill and 888 Sport, who of course are now going non-runner, no bet. Bet365 go 12 to 1. Going non-runner, no bet for the Boodles. William Hill and 888 Sport, 14 to 1. Punish yeah, them. Yeah, I'd take that. Punish take them. Let's say Skybet haven't priced up Nassalam for the Gold Cup either. Flutter. <laughs> they he's, just he's got been, a he, bias. Twice this week. They've been interviewed twice this week about running the horse in it. You'd think it'd be there's a team surely going what the likely runners are. It just seems a bit... You would think that, George, wouldn't you? You would indeed think that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not necessarily how it works at all. Um, all right, um, if, there was, if there was one horse that you could take from Christmas for the rest of the season or just to bet on for Cheltenham, who would it be? I've, I want to say something quite punchy. I think Salver in the Fred Winter. 
Is that recency it's bias now? Is that because we just talked about it or is that genuine? No, no, it's genuinely... Look, when you're talking about horses in open company, it's all sort of a bit who you think is the best. I know that horse is better than 128. Surely anyone that saw that race, got certainly on soft ground, is much better than 128. Yeah. Like you, could, you could have at least £10 in hand. Like He's a better juvenile than Naslam was. And Naslam ran it off 140. He's off 128. I, I, I generally that'd be my best bet, especially 14 to 1, non runner, no bet, 100%. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, I'll give a brief mention to No Flies on Him, who beat Django Bay in a point to point. Django Bay goes and wins the grade one. And that same day, No Flies on Him makes his debut for uh, Edward O'Grady, who hasn't had a good horse for quite a few years, but I think he's got one now. Um, this, was, this was a really nice performance, and he was very well backed before the off two. I'd say this is the horse who's going to propel Eddie, o- Eddie O'Grady back to the big time. So I'd keep a very, very close eye on him. Um, can you check a price for me, actually, while we're while I'm, I'm waffling yeah. on here? Uh, the National Hunt Chase, I'll tell you, first of all, to pop for that. So if you can work out who Patrick yeah. Mullins is going to ride in the National Hunt Chase, then you've got yourself halfway there to a really good bet. I'm going to make a prediction that I've already put up Nick Rocket as the one to ask him about uh, Nick Rocket when Patrick was on the show just before the Fairy House meeting for the Fairy House Winter Festival, and he was a bit taken aback that I was asking about him. Um, I think he could be National on Chase class. Yeah, I think the think Nick Rocket is probably pure Grade One class, which means maybe he's a little bit too good for it. There's a standout horse that Patrick could ride, and that's Meeting of the Waters. He bought him. The person who was going to buy him. Dropped out for whatever reason. Patrick kept him. They've won the novice chase down in Cork. Now they've won the Paddy Parrot chase. He's now wearing Paul Byrne silks. Paul will support Patrick no problem. And how much satisfaction would Patrick get out of riding a horse in the National Hunt chase that he bought, that he owned when he won in Cork, that Danny, basically his brother, his cousin Danny has ridden the winner of the Paddy Parrot chase for him on, I think this fella's tailor-made for a national hunt chase. But what price is meeting in the water with George Gorman? I'm telling you, Sky Bet, useless. Oh, There's no price on Come on! I've got I've got a change. It's ridiculous. The they've f- obviously updated nothing from the last few days. Oh, it's, not, heard, it's, not like, it's not like there's been any great racing going on or anything that's been of any interest. Twelves. He's eight to one with William Hill and eight at eight, not running a bet, but you can get twelves about meeting of the waters. And actually, there's only a few firms have priced him up. Um, yeah, I don't know why I Skybet haven't, by the way, because the other two flutter firms have Paddy Power and Skybet. But anyway, you can get twelves. I, my question for you is, does he have the class to win a national hunt chase? It's going to depend who rocks up, because I think if Broadway Boy were to go that way, he might not. Mm. It's, it's, it's going to depend, like how many of the class horses from the Brown Advisory are going to go there. Broadway Boy won't go up. He won't go there, though. No, I think they they're determined. Again, they feel like it's an admission that he's not that good to run him in the National Hunt Chase. Where it's actually, I think it's where it should be. Monty Star won't um, go there either because Rachel will want to ride him, and as she should. So yeah. the way I would see it right now, the most obvious Willie Mullins contenders for the National and Chase are Embassy Gardens, who's been notably well-backed recently and is down to fours, non-runner, no bet, but eight to one elsewhere. And I think he's a serious player. Lizzie Kelly did a piece of work on him uh, a few weeks before Cheltenham and just fell in love with him. Um, yeah. uh, he didn't perform in the in the potato race, but very, very good horse. Meeting at the Waters seems like a standout to go for it. 
And the other is Nick Rocket. Favorite de Camdu presumably goes there now after that last run. Oh yeah, for He's sure. Gonna... Yeah, and and like I am retaining the faith with him, um, yeah. which is the one reason why I haven't had a bet yet on on anybody else because I've got my few quid on Favorite de Chambeau and it's obviously a much bigger price now. But we'll we'll keep the faith. Um, but if you're trying to work it's, out it's who, those, the, yeah, if you're trying to work out who this. Well yeah, if, you, if you're trying to work out who is the Willie Mullins horse going to be, it's it's probably going to be one of those three. It's going to be one of Nick Rocket, Embassy Gardens, or Meeting of the Waters. And I'd say Meeting of the... Unless they go Kim Muir with him, but I would imagine he's going to be reasonably high in the handicap now after the Paddy Power win. He won that race super easily. I think it's one of the hardest things to do in racing when you're evaluating horse chances in a race. Taking graded form into handicaps is reasonably easy. It's reasonably easy to size up. The other way around, handicapped races into sort of level weights, really hard to size up. That horse is obviously very well handicapped, but how good is he? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm he's, not he's, he's beaten James de Burley, who I like, but it's not like James de Burley has been pulling up trees. So what's the standard of race that he's produced there? I'm, I think not... I, heard, I heard Ruby say the other day about James de Burley, they just don't know what he is. Don't yeah. know what trip he was. They've had him, what, three, four years now, and they have no idea what he is, what he wants. They're, like, he's just an enigma. Yeah, that's probably the thing. All right, my man, I've really enjoyed this. Uh, it's great to get the first show of 2024 done and dusted. Katie, we'll be back with us next week. We've got loads of uh, racing to, to go over from the coming weekend, but it's an exciting time. And um, thank you very much for listening and watching the Final Forum Podcast on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to us on YouTube yet, hit the subscribe button now. I think we're on is it 28 subscribers <laughs> can we get the road to 32 subscribers now we're getting we're getting there slowly but surely but we are very very new and very much behind the let's talk racing boys so a few few sympathy subscriptions there on the old youtube is much appreciated top stuff from george as always uh great to have dennis on the show again too we'll have more great guests including an industry special of the final front podcast uh, on Friday and some big interviews coming your way very, very soon as well. Uh, we're also going to be doing another big competition with Leopardstown. I can tell you that while Kempton were telling us that, oh, act fast because we're almost sold out for capacity for King George Day. And then it turns out there's 12,500 people there, which is going to be all of the people who are employed to be there as well. I don't know what to make of that. Um, maybe, it's, maybe it didn't include that, by the way, but Leopardstown's Dublin Racing Festival... Premier Access tickets are pretty much sold out. If not already, if they're not already sold out, they're very close to being sold out. So I know we're not giving those away, but we are giving away tickets for the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, and there's a huge contingent of, of British and Irish fans who are all going to be rocking up to Leopardstown for the weekend as well. So stay tuned to the Final Forum Podcast for your chance to win some passes. Are you coming over for it? I was just going to say, if any of the listeners have a bit of spare room in their suitcase, I don't take up much room. I'll hop in, I'll be straight over. <laughs> We'll sort you out. We'll sort you out, George Gorman. Uh, all right. From George and myself, Emmett Kennedy, thank you for watching slash listening to the Final Follow Podcast. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. Be safe, be well. God bless. <laughs>